This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I said we weren't going to get into the scheme minutia, but that that was it. That's what we do. That, what that else was, would we well, do? Well, I said I was going to set the table first, but we didn't nah, set the table. We don't need to do pleasantries. You guys don't believe in pleasantries over over at the hub. You guys no, we you, got we got a show to you're, do. You're you're not into pleasantries, so we're not going to do pleasantries here today. It's Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Catch Twenty Two with you until uh, about four o'clock here today. So we got get a long show today, Morell. We got we got almost the two full hours here. Uh, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Alex, uh, we were just talking before we we hit record on the show that uh, everybody is against your boy now. Everybody hates me, Alex. Uh, I I am. I am too negative. I'm the Grinch that stole Christmas or the week one moral victory uh, for the New England Patriots. And uh, everyone hates me. Everyone's mad. Everyone's fired up. They're all in the YouTube comments. They're emailing. They're, 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 tw- they're tweeting at me. Uh, they're, they're coming after me for my, my Tuesday PU show, talking about me everywhere. Just kidding. Uh, about how negative I was about this Patriots team. So uh, right off the top of the show, Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do so that all of you get off my back and tell me that I'm not being negative anymore and we can all move on from that. I'm going to give you three, three whole nice things about your offense, Patriots fans. Three nice things about the offense. I'm going to go one at a time, let Alex interject in between. But I'm going to say three nice things about this offense right now. So get off my back, all right? Get, I, I, this is positive. Positive energy only. And I'm being a hundred percent sincere. You ready? Go for it. Let's see. Let's see how sincere you can really be here. <laughs> Number one, I loved what I saw from Bill O'Brien in this game. Thought Bill O'Brien had a great script. I thought he had great call sheet. Uh, called good plays in this game. I think a big reason why the offensive line that was completely overmatched and overwhelmed in this game, despite some narrative out i said it's gonna be positive so i'm not yeah gonna see all right and here we Whoa, go you can't i can't even do it okay besides be, despite the mismatch between the offensive line and the defensive line i thought a big reason in this game why it didn't take over the game for philadelphia is because of how o'brien called the game yeah and i understand that some people get annoyed by the 13 screens and all that kind of stuff and but it had to be, it had to be done it, yep. had, it had to be done in this game. I thought that they at least changed it up enough with the screens that there were some different ones that thrown in there, and then they finally sprung the one uh, for Ramondre in the fourth quarter. The bunch formations uh, were excellent, and I think that this is something that I really love about O'Brien, uh, and he's talked about this in some of the coaching clinics that he's done. Uh, the One of the things I really love about him is that when he finds something that works against a defense – He's not afraid to just keep pressing the button. A lot of offensive coordinators, and we're going to maybe talk about one here later on in the show, that a play caller, I guess I should say, yeah. uh, later on in the show, think that every single play needs to be unique and different, and like they want to win. They're they're trying to win every single play. Right, and I'm not saying O'Brien's not, but like you understand what I'm saying. Like everything is different, window dressing, different design, yada yada yada. Bill O'Brien figured out. Uh, that the Eagles were having difficulties with the bunch formations, uh, especially those tight bunches that like we saw in Kendrick Bourne's touchdown, the throw to Demario Douglas on the sideline on the corner route, and he just kept pressing the button. He just kept play, hitting the play, 
hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And until you stop it, I'm not going to let you off the hook by going to different things. Really enjoyed that with Bill O'Brien. I uh, thought that he called the game well in terms of managing the offensive line and managing the situation of the game. And I thought he had Mac buttoned up I, in terms of his decision-making and where his eyes were going and like things like that. So overall, maiden voyage of Bill O'Brien in the regular season, I give him an A-. minus, An A-. minus. The only knock that I had on this plan out of everything, I, I wish there was a little bit more motion. I, I wanted them to kind of stress... Uh, the Eagles the same way Kansas City did in the Super Bowl by using motion, maybe a little bit more motion, a little bit more downfield RPO. You know, I love both those things. Yeah. That that might be the next iteration. But in terms of uh, what I we saw in week one, really enjoyed this game script from Bill O'Brien, and I thought he called a good game. I, I thought he did too. Again, you talk about this is everything I've been yelling for the offense to be for two years, right? It, remember last year was that we were talking about, no, the strength in, in this wide receiver group is the depth. It's not the top of the depth chart, and they shouldn't have anybody that really plays over an overwhelming amount and mix and match the combinations, put them in different formations. Last year it was the same three guys in like two or three formations, and that was it. And you, that first drive, I mean, they're subbing in and out like this and like that, and they're in bunch, and they're five wide, and – they were in, I think, 03 at one point, depending on how you want to qualify Ty Montgomery. And yeah. I mean, it got weird in a good way uh, throughout the game. So I really liked what I had what I saw from O'Brien. The one nitpick I had was on the play before the final play, the Kayshawn Booty fourth down. The screen. the screen on third and 13 felt very McDaniels ish to me. Like, it was tough. I, 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 I the, under- Eagles, the defensive line of the Eagles made a great play on it. I, but, so, yeah. but that's the thing. Like, I understand the defense of that. Like, hey, they knew it was four down territory. They wanted to try it. They weren't trying to get it all at once. They're trying to get to like a, at least a fourth and six, fourth and seven. But against that defensive front with the way the screens were working in the game, I know Ramondre hit one big one, but yeah. outside of that, I didn't think they're having a ton of success on it. I, I'm not against the philosophy of like, they didn't need to pick up the 13 yards on third and 13. I'm not against that. But was there a be- I, was there a better way to get six or seven yards than throwing the ball into the backfield in that situation? That was my one nitpick. Yeah. Besides that, I thought the uh, offensive uh, game plan was awesome this week. I really liked what they did, especially given the circumstances of who they had available and who they were facing. Yeah, the screen. I, I watched back those those final two drives this morning just to make sure I I had it right in my head, and uh, the screen was it, it was set up to hit because they the Eagles were in a too high safety shell there was not a whole lot of players in the box I think there was only one off-ball linebacker on the play and our one of our guys Jordan Davis made just a ridiculous play uh to come off the his rush and really force Ramondre to cut if if Ramondre doesn't have to take that extra jump cut to get around Jordan Davis uh then he just goes right up the field up the gut uh off of David Andrews's block and and gets probably eight, nine yards before the safeties come down and crash on him. But Jordan Davis made a a fantastic play on that. But I I understand that you wanted them to be a little bit more aggressive there, and and I I don't fault you for it. But overall, I thought O'Brien was great. I I did want to, like, talk a little bit more about the bunches and the stacks that they were using. I I just love this part of Bill O'Brien's playbook. I think it puts the defense in such a mind pretzel uh, trying yeah. to cover these types of routes because uh, what the Patriots will do with the route, uh, it, the, a lot of the times there'll be an option on one of the three routes out of the bunch that is just breaking off of leverage. So, for example, on the Demario Douglas uh, throw on the corner route, I, I, this is just I don't know for a fact, but I'm just like guessing. Uh, Demario Douglas 
I believe has a post corner. Like he can break onto the post or he can break on the corner uh, depending on how the defensive back plays it, right? If the defensive back sits inside, he's going to break the corner. If he sits outside, he's going to break the post. And A, I, I just think that that's such a, a mind F like you know if you're the defensive back like you're trying to pick him up out of the bunch formation now he's got this two-way option there's all sorts of space you really can't jam him because he's in the bunch to begin with so you can't get hands on early and he just has all this freedom to just then go ahead and, and make a move and get open and, and DeMar- I, the other thing I liked about that play in particular too is that DeMario made the right <laughs> the right read and yeah. made the right the, ran the right ran the right route so uh, I was really impressed uh uh, with the bunches, the stacks, you know, they run a lot of that two lane, uh, you know, two uh, option routes, one at 12 yards, one at six yards. Uh, that worked like multiple times. Uh, it worked on a uh, on a Kendrick Bourne throw for about 18 yards. Uh, you know, Kendrick caught the uh, the underneath option and then turned it upfield and ran for about 14 yards after the catch. It worked on fourth down, the Hunter Henry. Uh, even though he had to one hand catch it, the the concept itself worked and got him open. Uh, so I thought that a lot of that was really good. I think you'll continue to see a lot of that moving forward. It's just fun to watch those, like to break them down and to and to see them, the spacing and the sequencing of it together and uh, the different options that they have off those bunch formations, a lot of different things you can do with them. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. So there, there's one positive. I did it. Okay. That was all positive, right? I, I, uh, you, you, brought up, you brought up the screen. You no, brought you brought up. up something before that. You yeah, said, I know, yeah. But I, but I, I, I reset. I, I reset. You know, we kill, kill, right? Reset. We did it again. Number two. In this game, I have said a lot of negative things about Mac Jones. I will own that. I'm going to give him a positive in this. I thought that Mac Jones, as well as Bill O'Brien, did a really, really good job of managing the rush in this game. 2.38 time to throw on average, which is very, very fast. Now, a lot of that's quick game screen. I get that. Uh, but that's all part of it, right? That's uh, Running all those things uh, uh, is all part of it. And uh, I thought he did a really good job of getting the ball out. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job of managing the rush in the pocket, You know, maneuvering, making little subtle – those subtle movements we talk about all the time that it didn't seem like he was had that innate ness last year he handled pressure well for the most game. part yeah and uh and he was able to for for what it was against that rush with the offensive line he had he handled pressure well in this game yeah and i agree and he i think again, which was the biggest question coming into the season with him yeah again i thought that uh there was a lot of the reason why i said earlier and i know i said no negativity but the reason why i said earlier that the offensive line performance was really not that good despite what we've heard about you know not giving up a sack until the fourth quarter i'm actually kind of with you on that one uh, but the offensive line performance uh was not that good because a lot of guys were giving up hurries but they were hurries and not hits or sacks right because of mac and, and i give mac a lot of credit it was for that. that mac was his own best pass protector yes, in this game and we was. said that how many times we say that this offseason that's who mac's going to need to be yeah, in 2023 yeah. and i i thought he absolutely was his own best pat we'll, we'll get to the offensive line i'm i'm with you on that one um i think for what it was it was fine yeah but there's some really heavy qualifiers that come with that that just are applicable to this one specific game yeah and, and lastly just on mac with the pressure I thought he did a really good job of controlling the depth of his drops in this yeah. game, which is an underrated, sneaky thing. Uh, well, I mean, how many times did we see him last year when he got pressured where he'd double back and he'd start yeah. twisting around? Like, yeah. he, I don't think – did he do that once in this game? No, and he did a great job, I thought. He was really dropping for the most part. So the rule of thumb is that you want to get the rusher on – we're talking about edge rushers now. 
You want to get edge rushers 10 yards past the quarterback. 10 yards. Yeah. If it's 11 yards and the quarterback gets sacked, then that's on the quarterback. The quarterback's got to step up in the pocket. Now, if there's interior pressure, like, I get there's other factors. But the point is, is that if you're a tackle, your job is to block the edge rusher 10 yards past the quarterback. I cannot tell you how many times in this game Mac was dropping to, like, seven or eight yards on purpose because he knew that Calvin Anderson was probably going to be a little shaky over there in his first game, and they did a really good job of controlling the depth of the pocket. Really, really good job. And he threw, made some throws while under pressure, most notably the Kendrick Bourne drop, unfortunately. But that throw is a great throw. Well, it was some pressure in his face. Seymour, there was a lot of a lot of positivity about Mac Jones. All right, I said a lot of positive things. It's, it was the insistence to not acknowledge any of this earlier in the week in a lot your of breakdown that was puzzling. A I lot think. of positive things about your quarterback. So where was this on Tuesday? Uh, we'll get to Tuesday. Anyways. Is that enough gushing about the quarterback? Well, you said you had three things. Yes, I have Oh, about the quarterback. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Last one. Round of applause to the captain, David Andrews. Great game by David Andrews. I thought David Andrews uh, played one of his better games I've seen him play in a while. Not only blocking, like, uh, snap to snap individually, but I give – he was helping those rookie guards out a ton pre-snap. And uh, he did a great job in this game – with a ton of chaos around him and two guards that were getting beat like a drum on both sides of him and David Andrews. I said, no, dang it. But still David Andrews. Oh, for three (laughs) David Andrews. Great, great game from him. I hope that the hamstrings. Okay. I think it will be, he's a tough guy. He'll play through it. Uh, But I I really was impressed by, by DA. He he was great in this game. I, nothing about the uh, Demario Douglas or Kendrick Bourne makes it into your positives. Not yet. Oh, come on. Not yet. Not yet. We're not going to talk about it yet on the show, or not yet. You're not willing to compliment Both, either of them. But no, no, well, I, I didn't say I'm not ready to compliment any of them. Don't, okay. get all, don't, don't get all crazy. I just said that, like, we'll talk about we'll it. We'll get to it. Okay. Yeah, but th- right. these are my three, like, gold stars, okay? Like, I. I, I all right, look, we'll you watch the line closer than me, yeah. so I'll give you the Andrews one. Yeah. I, for me, like, one of my biggest takeaways coming away from this game is just Kendrick Bourne all the stuff we talked about, you know, can he take off this year? Can he have that? Remember that we were talking about like the breakout year in year seven, yeah, kind of like an abstract. Uh, I don't think there's anything Fugazi about what he did in this game. He's back, and this is why last year I was red in the face saying it's malpractice. They're not putting this guy on the field because he he cha- he can you. change the game. He can I'm change the game, and I I thought he showed in this game uh, why he makes that and he and this is all with him having a bad drop i'm not gonna say he was perfect he should have caught that ball on that third down late in the game that's probably max best throw but there were other things as well that cost him the game it wasn't just that and and i thought Bourne was excellent in this game i i agree with you that i agree with you that a hundred and ten percent about last year with kendrick Bourne. i agree with you a hundred and ten percent this year that kendrick Bourne needs to be on the field and it yeah we said before the season started I think both of us are in lockstep on this on one of the preview shows uh, on Catch-22 that we felt like Bourne should be the most targeted receiver in the Patriots' offense. And nothing that I saw on Sunday deters me from that point. I will say he has some route-running miscues on film that I think in the coach's eyes probably hold him back a little bit from being the guy that we all want him to be. But at the same time, 
I'm not sure for this particular football team that that can matter. Like so, well, I would if you if he runs the guy, like, right? Because like if he runs like, I think maybe in this game he had two or three routes. I would say probably two. I think the third one would be a nitpick. I'd say there was probably two routes where I thought that he ran the route in, incorrectly, but that doesn't wipe out all the the routes that he ran great, right? Like, and he runs right. too many good routes to take him off. The and and I would just say that was a massive nitpick. Again, you're being positive, but great job with that. No, but I would like that. It goes back to something we talked about soft scenes. If they wanted that guy. DeAndre Hopkins was available. Yeah. Jerry Judy was available. I mean, now you're talking about a top 20 receiver. If, right. If the biggest knock on the guy is two routes, he ran over the course of the game, and that's why and you can't drop. feature him. He's got to catch that ball. Then, then in the drop. But, like, then yeah. you needed to go get, like, he's as good as they have, and he's pretty good, but yeah. if you're expecting elevation, they, they clearly felt, based off what they did in the offseason, I would argue, that they don't need a receiver better than what Kendrick Bourne did on Sunday. Yeah. And, and I, again, I, I, his miscues are not big enough for me to take him off the field by any stretch of the imagination right. because of how good the good plays are with him. But at the end of the day, the couple of route running miscues that he had did hurt them, and then obviously the drop hurts them. Yeah. And that's just – I'm with you. That's the difference between – But that's not that's not even like – I don't want to say it's not his fault, but like that's not – he gave you as much as you can realistically expect him to give. I agree. If you want more, that's about the players they have on the team and that individual player. I'm just simply telling you why I didn't give him a gold star. Okay. That's it. So those are my three gold stars. Uh, Bill O'Brien, Mac under pressure, maneuvering pressure, managing pressure, and and David Andrews, who I thought was great in this game. You mentioned DeMario Douglas. I am buying all the DeMario Douglas stock. I want DeMario Douglas on the field as much as possible. I think that he is the one guy that is dynamic in this offense, besides maybe Kendrick, uh, that can get open, that can run with the football a little bit. I am clamoring, clamoring to see him with the football in his hands with some space. They unfortunately couldn't get him loose in this game. They were close on uh, that throw that Jalen Carter made max sale. But uh, I I think that if they can get him in those types of matchups, I I really like uh, DeMario Douglas and how he ran the routes in this game. One, one, conversion that he didn't run properly uh but it's a rookie in his first game i'm not gonna and i'm sure there's many more that the coaches know about that i don't but like yeah you know whatever uh i i just similar to kendrick Bourne, yeah he's gonna have some mistakes he's gonna have some growing pains as a young player uh, but he's too good to not play him a lot yeah i their three bet went once they get healthy i think it's pretty clear at this point there's been some reporting to this point as well when they're in 11 yeah parker Bourne. Pop. pop. That's pop. that's and yeah. I, I know people want to knock Kayshawn Booty in this game too. Like I wouldn't take him off the field. I didn't love Kayshawn Booty in this game. I didn't love him, but I didn't like he he belonged, if that makes sense. I don't know. I mean I he doesn't need a true red shirt. Like he's he, no, I don't think he needs a true red shirt. But uh, but just to get back to we can get into Kayshawn Booty yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, later because I feel like that changes the conversation. But the point being, like when you're in eleven, Parker, born, pop, that's gotta be the group right now. That, I agree. Those are their three best receivers, I and I don't know that it's close. No, I don't think it is, and I also would just say that I like how those three complement each other. You oh, know, you, get, you, you have a really wide range of skill yeah. sets there, and yeah. no, I think it beyond into that's part of why I like it. Yeah, I uh, I think that group elevates; they all elevate each other again because of that diverse the, the diversity of skill sets within there. Yeah, uh, I I I really like Douglas in this game. I did. So those are my three positives. And uh, I 
we started the show there. Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines here in a second. 855-PATS-500 is the phone number. We've got three people on hold already. We're going to get to you in, in just a second, I promise. I, I think the, the the one thing I, I do want to say about, uh, you know, what I said on, on Tuesday about Mac and, and, and just I don't want to beat a dead horse. I, I've already talked about Mac and, and my, my, my critiques about Mac enough. Uh, but people that just listen to this show, I, I want them to, to understand where I'm coming from as well, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I think the biggest thing with Mac is I want to say two things. One, uh, I want Mac Jones to be great. I really do. And I think that people now, uh, maybe a little bit more publicly than I would like, I know that I I love Mac. Like, Mac's a great guy. And and I I enjoy covering him. And uh, I I enjoy the conversations that I've had with him. I'm not... We're not friends. Like, I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, like, I enjoy interacting with Mac. With that being said, where my frustration comes from with Mac is I truly do want him to be great, but for him to be great, he's the little details of the quarterback position, the nuances uh, that you get from studying film over and over and again, he has to dominate that. Like he has to be really, really good at that because he's not going to change dramatically from a physical standpoint. So if he's going to be great, then he has to have clean footwork. He has to throw from a solid base. He has to make good decisions with the football. He has to throw on time. Like these are the things that he has to do to play with his margins. And my frustration comes from when I watch the film and I'm like, you're not controlling the controllables, Mac. You got to be able to control the things you can control. He can't control the fact that he's not Lamar Jackson. And he can't control the fact that he doesn't have a, people get mad when I bring up Josh Allen. They, he can't control the fact that he doesn't have an arm. He like, can't control the fact like, he doesn't turn the ball over four times right, a game. That's why people get mad. Uh, he can't control the fact that he doesn't have an arm like Justin Herbert. He can't control that. But what he can control is his own individual process yeah. with, over the course of a game. So my frustrations with him come because I'm like, I want you to be good, dude. But like, you're these are the things you're missing right now. And I think the main thing from this game that I was concerned with, and I'm willing to give him the caveat, and the and the and within that caveat, give him the time b- yeah. for the offensive line to get healthy, is that his footwork being off in this game for large stretches might have been related to the fact that he was not being protected well. So the other thing I would say to that, because he his footwork like was good as a rookie, it, yeah. it's not totally new. He. This goes back, and I know people are going to roll their eyes and, and see me pointing a finger at Matt Patricia again, but last year, do you think he had a coach that when they went in and broke down the film could get to that level with him no, and work on that no. stuff? No, and, and I, I and so, yeah, like I wonder, look, obviously we all would love to be a fly on the wall in any right. of those meetings, uh, but I really wonder what the coaches feel about it because the bottom line is, is and this is where my concern came on Tuesday, is that when he doesn't throw from a solid base, he doesn't throw with a ton of velocity. And, and look, I'm sure he knows that, and I'm sure the coaches know that. I th- yeah. and, and it's not like they just got out here, right? They had camp and all of that, but a game environment changes things. Like, he was, I thought during camp, he was doing a good job of setting the feet and all that, yeah. right? And you, I think you agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there was somebody that was going to go to him in last year, last year and say, hey, this is kind of a mess. 
Yeah. And I think he developed some bad habits. And I think when you're down two starting guards, maybe some of last year started creeping in the back of his head. Like, I'm going to take a beating today. Yeah. We all thought that in the press box. We were talking yeah. about, like, he's not going to make it through this game yeah. with two rookie guards against his defensive line. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Bill O'Brien did a great job, kind of helped him out. And he did a fantastic job himself yeah. of keeping himself clean. But I think that was part of it. I think there's a lot he's thinking about in this game specifically beyond mechanics. I, I look at it and say, all right. Yeah, I, look, I thought Mac was better than you're giving him credit for in this game. I think if that's Mac Jones' worst performance of the year, they, this team's making the playoffs. I'll say that right now. Or if 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 Mac Jones playing that way to that level is their biggest problem and they have no bigger problems than Mac Jones performing like he did on Sunday, yeah. when again, he threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns against a top 10 defense in the league, if that's their biggest problem, they're going to make the playoffs. And okay. that's good. Now, maybe it's not. Maybe it gets worse. Can the coaching staff fix those little things that you're talking about and can him and Bill O'Brien get in the lab and basically does he go in there he was hard on himself after the game so I think he knows what you're saying yeah can they go in the room and say we need to fix a b and c and then come out on Sunday night and a b and c are fixed and this to me when it relate whether it relates to Mac whether it relates to the offense whether it relates to some of the coaching decisions this is the great uh this game was weird in terms of a, having to sit up there and evaluate it, I wrote like three different columns because I didn't like them and I kept yeah. having to scrap them because I think this feels, people are going to hear this as a fence-sitting take. I, I Well, no, but it's not. It's not. There was an, because the Patriots played such a polarized game, whatever your preconceived notion was about the team going into that game, you have something to point to and say it was true. If yeah. you want to sit here and say, hey, Bill O'Brien's here, the offense looked different, they moved the ball against this good defense at times, and hey, it's the you know defending NFC champion, it wasn't going to be perfect, I think that's a perfectly valid take. And, and you could sit here and say the, the issues they had, and I believe this, the issues they had, while similar to the issues they had last year, the problem last year wasn't that they were making those issues in September. A lot of teams make similar mistakes to the ones they made in September. The problem was they were still making them in December. They never got fixed. And that was the case last year. It was the case the year before that. It was the case the year before that. So you're absolutely allowed to sit here and say, I saw a lot from that game that I liked. I saw a lot that looked like progress. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. But to go toe-to-toe with the defending NFC champion in week one and have time to build on that with the new coaching staff, I'm encouraged. At the same time, I do think it's fair to say, yes, but... We felt encouraged in 2020 early in the season. We felt encouraged in 2021 early in the season. Even last year, early on, there were some moments where we were like, okay, here we go. Let's see. I'm just not and giving it, them the moral on. victory. So it's not a moral victory thing, though. It's, that is it's, what you're doing. No, it's a benefit of the doubt thing. Okay. In a bubble. But, but I mean, who, listen, just let me finish. Benefit? Let me finish. Okay. In a bubble, I'm, I'm, young team, third-year quarterback, yeah. coming off a year they missed the playoffs, goes toe-to-toe with the defending NFC champion. I think a lot of, with, with making mistakes that are pretty textbook to make early in the year, I think a lot of teams, you would look at that in a lot of circumstances and say, there's something to build on here. It's not a moral victory thing. It's not necessarily feel great about it, but it's when we're projecting out over the course of a 17-game season, I agree. if the things to that usually get fixed across the league by yeah. teams get fixed, they'll be in a good spot. I think that's an absolutely fair evaluation of this game, but you can also bring in the caveat that we felt that way about this team in 2020, and they never made the fixes they needed to make. We felt this way about the team in 2021, and they never made the fixes they needed to make. Obviously, last year, they never made the fixes they needed to make. So, 
are Bill and O'Brien and Adrian Clem that much better? That I, obviously they're better than than um, uh, Patricia, but like the McDaniel staffs in twenty twenty one. Are 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 Patricia are, are uh, McDan the third try? Are O'Brien and Clem yes worth the benefit of the doubt that not only can you look at it and say they are going to fix these things, but say they are going to fix these things that they haven't been able to fix in each of the last three years. That's essentially the question for me coming away from this game. Are you taking the cheese on it? Are you going to, after what we've been through the last three years of them falling apart, November and December, are you still willing to look at this and say, it'll look better by Thanksgiving, it'll look better by Christmas than it does now? That's that's a fair take. I don't disagree with a lot of that. I think where my my bigger concern came from, I guess, from this game, because the, I can nitpick Mac Jones all day long. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. You know, there's little things with his footwork that I didn't like, especially throwing the ball to his right. I thought that throwing to the ball to the right sideline, uh, the ball died on him all game long. And, and that I, I it was footwork related to me. Like, I think because for him, and like I said earlier, like you're, he needs to have a, a solid base and solid footwork for him to generate velocity. He can't generate a velocity off platform. Yeah. So he has to have a solid platform to throw from. So I, I think that that's where a lot of my, my concerns came from. The other concern that I had in this game was – like you said coming into the year confirming a prior and, yeah and my prior was that when the chips were down and it was the fourth quarter and bill o'brien can only take you so far because it ultimately comes down to the players on the field winning a game for right. you i did not think offensively not offensively not just mac jones the entire offense I did not think that they had enough talent to win those games. So I guess, and this goes back to my point, I think some people will just agree with you flat. Some people will say, look, it was no secret that the Eagles' defense had more talent than they did on offense. I don't know how many teams in the league have more talent on offense than the Eagles do on defense. It's a very short list. Yeah. I think some people look at that and say, this one they didn't win, but more often than not in that situation, Bill O'Brien will be the difference that they will be able, and you have the stat. What is it? Zero and thirteen, right? Zero uh, and twelve. Zero no. and twelve in in uh, twenty five plus points games. No, the other one, the 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 game leading drive one. He has one in thirty three. One in thirty three. Okay. Yeah. I think some people look at it and say Bill O'Brien's going to increase that number in this one specific instance. He didn't. Yeah. And it's against a very good defense, but. Let's see them get in that situation against Miami. Let's see them get in that situation against some of the other teams on their schedule that, that aren't as good defensively. And it may not go from one and thirty-three to thirty-three and one, but or thirty-three for thirty-three or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. like, and it doesn't need to. It needs to be about five hundred. But so again, is Bill O'Brien going to fix it? There's another number. I got to find the stat. I, I just don't know if Bill O'Brien's enough, and, and that's where my concern. So and that's from. that's basically what the question is. I think coming away from this game. It was the first week Bill O'Brien had to work with them, and there's, I think you'd agree with me on this, any new coach, and we were actually arguing about how much of a difference a new coach makes before the show, so I know you're with me on this. Yeah. Uh, any new coach, you need a game or two to really get things fixed, yes. right? So I think the the argument is, all right, here we are with this team again. It was promising, but it definitely wasn't perfect. It was good, but not good enough. Is Bill O'Brien the guy to get them to good enough so from, here, from so, where they started on Sunday? So I don't disagree with, with anything... That you just just said. let me make one more point on yes. top of it. I think that the, the counter to that is people talk about you know one one in uh, in the tw- so this is the twenty five points thing scoring more yeah, yeah, yeah. when the opponent scores more than twenty five points 
what was the number again? 0 and 12. 0 and 12 with Mac Jones. They are without Tom Brady, three and twenty-five. So it's a without right. Tom Brady or Randy Moss because of those three wins. Two of them really happened castle. in two thousand eight. Yeah, they're one in twenty-five. Uh, one in they won such win basically yeah. without Tom Brady or Randy Moss. Is it a Mac Jones problem, or is it a because if it's a Mac Jones problem, maybe Bill Bill O'Brien could fix it. Yeah. If it's a Bill Belichick problem, right. I don't know how much help Bill so, O'Brien's so, going to give you. So that that that's kind of where I was headed with it. Because yeah. When we say a Bill Belichick problem, we mean a roster construction problem. Well, it could really be a roster like, construction problem or like a game approach philosophy problem. But but I think the main thing is roster construction okay. game. Like I think they're both together when I say Bill is trying to win the game in my mind 24-20, right? Like right. he's trying to get uh, he's trying to build on defense to the point where you're not going to score. Right, I think Bill might say points. Bill might say truth serum Bill Belichick here. If you allow 25 points, you've already lost the right. game kind of thing. Exactly. So to that point, the play that really put me over the edge and led yeah. to Tuesday's show and all this this crap that I've taken. Uh the play that really put me over the edge uh was the fourth and three play on the second to last drive of the game for the Patriots. Cuz on fourth and 3 they, I believe they emptied the backfield on it. It might have been one back. Regardless, Mac and the gun. And they have Juju in the left slot. There, That's your guy, right? Like, that's your big well, money offseason free agent addition. We'll get to it. Apparently, maybe not. But, but, yeah. that, but that's supposed to be your guy, right? And the initial read on the play is Juju on an option route, run it and get open. He doesn't have to break any particular way. He doesn't have to. It's not a you know a leverage read necessarily. It's just make your guy miss right. Like just get open on the route. So that's your, that's the guy you pay twelve million dollars a year to to get open on this route. And the initial nitpick, or not even a nitpick, this was just a bad play for the team. Yeah. The initial hiccup is that Juju just doesn't get open. He gets suffocated off the line of scrimmage and doesn't get open. So at that point, Mac has to come off his first read and make something happen out of it. And then there's pressure, right? So here's the second problem with the play is the pressure. So Mac comes off the first read, tries to get over to the other side of the field to the second, and now there's pressure in his face, which you and I are both on the record numerous times talking about the short fallings in the offseason about offensive line personnel yeah here you go you rear in your head right so your 12 million dollar receiver can't get open on a one-on-one when you created a matchup for him out of the slot on fourth and three to get four yards he can't get open right then your quarterback goes to move off of it correctly and he can't get to the second read without there being three people in his face right mac breaks the pocket good job Right, gets out of the pocket, gets out of the pressure. As he's rolling to his right out of the pressure, Kendrick Bourne is streaking across the field on a crosser, and he's wide AF open. Wide AF open behind the linebacker. And this is not one of those like Mahomes fifty yard right, no, flick of the wrist. It's like eight or nine yards downfield. It's it's a ten yard throw, maybe. Yeah. And you can throw it with touch. Like, you can loft it. Like, you don't. Right. he doesn't even need to drive it into any hole. In, he's not fitting it into a window. No. All he's got to do is 
layer it over the linebacker, put some air under it to let Kendrick Bourne run underneath it, and just feather it over the linebacker. I think I sent you the play. I'm sure you've watched it on your own, Alex. I promise you that if he makes that throw, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Kendrick Bourne is going to run under it. There's nobody there to stop him, and he's going to score a touchdown. The no, it, 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 in the middle of the field. It was a missed throw. If I, again, I'm, I think you're being, you've been too critical on Mac this week, but I'm not going to say he was perfect, and that was a missed opportunity. So I don't instead with what you. happens is, is Mac kind of panics, frankly, and takes a sack on the play instead of making the throw. And those three boxes to me are the Patriots in a nutshell right now. They don't have a good enough receiver to win the one-on-one. Juju. Yeah. They don't have a good enough offensive line for the quarterback to go through the progression. And then Mac Jones is not a, a play creator. He's not a second reaction extended play creator outside the pocket. And so if you are Xing off all three of those boxes all at once in a critical moment, you're going to get what happened on Sunday. And just, just for the record, you can work around one of those things. The offensive line? Well, and any of them. I'm saying, like, you you can... There it are, is really tough. You don't have to have all three, basically, to be competitive. You don't need to have all three, but if you don't have a money winner, like, if you don't have, like, a guy that, when it is an absolute need to have it down, if you don't have a receiver that the quarterback can go to, it's hard. No, but but this is what I'm saying. Like, if you have one of those three things, you're in good shape. I think if you have if you have two of good three, you're 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 pretty cooking. Right, but they don't have that. They don't have. Well, but that's my. So I think you say that, and I'm just like translating here, and I'm not disagreeing with you. But it's like you say that like they didn't check any of these three boxes. They don't have any of these three things, and people are like, oh no, blow it up. Like, yeah. You don't necessarily need all of those three. Exactly. Right? And this is my point. And so, yeah. Yes, this is exactly my point. So, this is my whole take on this, right? And this is exactly my point. If you had a receiver, if you handed A.J. Brown a Patriot jersey right. on Sunday, and you had a receiver that could win that route out of the slot, then you're golden. Then Right. Then none of the, the other two things don't come into, into play. play. If right. you had an offensive line that allowed Mac Jones to go through the progression – then he hits Kendrick Bourne from the pocket with a touchdown on the other side of the field instead of having to move. Right. If you had a quarterback that was a wizard when the play breaks down, then you would have had another touchdown. Right. So right. Like, but, like, they don't it, have, but they right. struck out on all three. So like, and there are there are good teams. Like I would say, the Chiefs don't have all three of those things. No, but they have Patrick. Right, right. But that's yeah. the point. Or I would the Niners don't have all three of those things. They have two of three. They have the offensive line. They have the receivers. Yeah, but some people would hear that and say, if you don't have the quarterback, it's disqualifying. That's just the point I'm trying to prove. Like, there's ways to make it work, and this is why we were pounding the table for Jerry Judy. This is why we were pounding the table for DeAndre Hopkins because we talked about after those moves, Evan, this offseason, what was the plan? The plan was they were banking on Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem to elevate the group they had. Rather the, than add to it, the, but at the end and of the day, it's a spot where you need somebody to win you a just route. Might not be able to get that. Yeah, it's just that's what it is. And 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 let, let me let me let me say this: like O'Brien and Clem elevated that group on Sunday. Yeah, they absolutely did. But it was just to the extent they, they were never going to be able to do it to the extent which they need to because down two guards, down the number one wide receiver. I know you're rolling your eyes. Oh, we're celebrating twenty points. Given the scenario. 20 point. You told me they were going to put up 380 yards and 20 points in that scenario. I'd say 
they did a pretty good job, all things considered. Yeah, but they, but they gave. They I'm gave not saying you have to Eagles be happy 14. about it. I, the way I look at it, and I know that this is probably not how you're going to look at it, but to an extent, they netted six points. You 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 can't come away from that game and say Bill O'Brien did a bad job. I didn't say that. I gave. But that's the point I'm trying to make. But that's the point I'm trying to make. And you're you're push, my, my point is like, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. O'Brien and Clem. The the plan was for O'Brien and Clem to elevate the group. Yes. They elevated the group on and Sunday. That's, but, but that's the whole plan for the whole team. But, but this is my point. I don't. This is what I'm saying. I think what you're saying is basically. They, I, they might not be able to elevate them to the point that they need to elevate them. Not, to. not in those big moments, right? And I, the the difference is, and I, I, I so this is this is my other mistake of why I came in so hot on Tuesday. Yeah. After I watched the Patriots film and did did my my uh, after further review and all that stuff for the Patriots and got that out of the way, I, I turned on Chargers Dolphins and I watched the Chargers Dolphins game. And in that particular game, Tua played out of his mind. Yeah. He was fantastic. Well, he and, played against a poorly and, coached defense, but, but, but yeah. He played out of his mind. Okay. He was really freaking good. Justin Herbert's also really good. I know that. And so I watched two quarterbacks that right now might be like top five, top ten quarterbacks in the league after watching Mac and the Patriots offense. Yeah. And – Oh, so this is just recency bias seven. That's all this is. Partially. The, the what I, and I'm telling you it's not just the quarterback play, so I don't want people to 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 focus in on that either. It's not just the quarterback play, but when I tell you that it looked like the Miami offense was playing a different sport, I I really am not say like it really was. Because the Patriots offense needs to go 10 plays on an 80 yard drive and like matriculate matriculate down the field and all that kind of stuff and not make any mistakes to go backwards well, and stay ahead of the chains and be on schedule and all that. Miami just like throws it up to Tyreek and it's the touchdown, right? So well, yes, but they don't have to, So this is what's, what's annoying to me about your take. And by the way, they don't need to do that. They went 63 plays in six yards for a touchdown before the they half. Did. It was a good two minute drill. It was. Yeah, it was a great two minute drill. I almost put that as a gold star, but I just gave it to O'Brien. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah. I mean, O'Brien played a big yeah. part in it. They went. To, they did that without calling a timeout, too, I, which yeah, is no, impressive. Yeah, it was great. Um, so you have proven that Tyree Kill is better than any receiver on the Patriots. Congratulations on your hot take. I'm not saying that. that I'm just telling you that the. The execution, the speed, the dynamic playmaking, like all of that stuff from the quarterback on out was just different in that game. And that that as a Patriots fan, most importantly, is frustrating because we've been talking about this for four years now. Really five, like going back to 19, Brady's last year. And it's the same story about the talent on the team. I agree with you that they looked better. I agree with you that Mac looked better. Everybody looked better on yeah. offense. The coordinating was better. The play calling was better. The play design was better. The quarterback was better. But at the end of the day, they still have middling talent. They just do. So you're right. I don't think they need to change the quarterback to make it even to get over the hump. Right. If you want to call it that, but they had to change something. And now we're in the season, so they're probably not going to make any drastic changes. 
to the roster. I mean, is there a change they could make at this point that would? I guess Mike Evans would be the one. Yeah, if like Mike Evans or make. like T Higgins comes available or something like that. I, I don't think the Bengals are trading. All right, T. Higgins. let's. I don't want to get too bogged down on all of this as as we already have. Uh, so let's open up the phone lines, and then I do want to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about the Dolphins. So let's turn the page here, and uh, we'll see what you guys have to say. Uh, Raj is in Wakefield. Raj, if you're still there, I really appreciate you waiting on hold this long. Yeah, no worries. How are you guys? I'm hey. good. How are you? Let's move on from this game. We had enough discussion of Mac and Bill Belichick roster building. So I just have two comments. One is from the Dolphins game, which I want your response, how the Patriots defense is going to handle the whole, the whole motion thing of Tyreek Hill, how Jonathan Jones and the other cornerbacks will be trying to cover him, tackle that. And the second one is, what I felt is they played they played a lot of rookies in the game, uh, Patriots, except one rookie. He played only ten snaps. That is Martin Monkey. I think they kept him safe for this game. That's what I think. I want your take. So you you think what was it on Marty Mapu? Sorry, I. I think they were hiding him. Got it. For this game, they are not unleashing him in that game. They just want to be use his powers in this game, his speed or something like that. That's what I built. Got it. Got it. Thanks for the call, Raj. We really appreciate it. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll answer that question. Um, do you think they were hiding Mar- I don't know if they were hiding him. I think he said for this game, like why yeah. we didn't see him in the, in the summer. Yeah. I mean, he was hurt as part of I it. See. So I don't know. I I don't think they hit him in this game. I mean, you saw him no. spying Jalen Hurts. He was covering AJ Brown down the field. He was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, he only played like ten snaps. Yeah, but he played some high impact snaps. He I'm did. Saying. Like the, he did. the assignments they gave him were my, big time. My guess is is that the way that they view so Christian Gonzalez is going to play hundred percent of the snaps every week, right? Like he's he's out there. He's first round pick. He's going to play all the time. I think with Keon White and, and Marte Mapu, uh, to not put like too much on their plate right out of the gate, my guess is the plan, like you kind of just alluded to, is to pick and choose your yeah. high-impact spots with those guys. Uh, I thought uh, Mapu was fine. I mean, I there was one rep that I really, really liked from him. Obviously, the post-safety rep was, was nice with Gonzalez on the post-corner. The, the deep ball to A.J. Yeah, Brown? Yeah, the post-corner yeah. route to A.J. Brown. Uh, that was good, but the, there was a play – and this was a this was an issue for them uh, in terms of picking up uh, the crosser from this passing strength going to the weak side of the field, and uh, Marty Mapu uh, was in the weak hook and and he actually turned and picked up the crosser for the first guy that did it right like uh, you know Bentley I, I thought missed one uh, I think it was Bentley uh, and then somebody that was playing in the slot I, I don't remember who it was somebody that was playing in the slot missed missed Dallas Goddard on that post corner route. And, yeah. and he was wide open if uh, if Jalen Hurts had thrown had thrown the crosser. And I thought Marty Mapu did a really nice job of uh, of taking that away. So maybe it was something they came to the sideline and they said, hey, guys, we got to we got to clean this up. And and he was able to be on it. I, I don't know. But do I think they were hiding him? Uh, no, I, I think that they are easing him in is a better way of putting it. I, I don't think that yeah. they feel like he's fully ready to play as much as like Gonzalez played, uh, for example. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, uh, let's take this call from uh, Todd. Uh, what's up, Todd? Hey, guys. So I think the difference between McDaniel's offense when you know Mac was in it and then, of course, last year's debacle is that Bill O'Brien can actually game plan and d- develop an offense based around Mac's talents. I don't think McDaniel's did that. I think he's 
you know, might have changed his offense a little bit, but it's still McDaniel's offense. He wants you to run it. It's the same thing's happening at the Raiders. It's like, you run my offense. That's why, you know, last year there was quarterback controversy because, you know, it wasn't, wasn't it was a round peg in a square hole, vice versa, yeah. whichever. And I think that maybe, just maybe, you know, as the, as the year progresses, we're going to see something from Mac that, you know, it, this is the year. This is the year when he gets a chance because this should be his offense and designed around him. So I think this is the make-or-break year. And in all honesty, I don't see him coming out of this year with either being successful or gone. I can't see any other thing. I don't see him continuing. If he's not successful, he's done because this offense is his. So what do you guys think? Thanks, guys. Yeah, great great call, Todd. Great call because I couldn't agree more about the difference between O'Brien and McDaniels because this is something, Alex, that I, I don't necessarily – Want it to be, you know, I love Josh McDaniels. I'm a yeah. big McDaniels guy, uh, but I agree with Todd 150 percent that McDaniels is McDaniels. McDaniels runs his offense to the point where, frankly, other than like the read option stuff that they put in for Cam Newton, they were asking Cam Newton to like do Tom Brady things yeah. in 2020. Like they they didn't change the passing concepts of that offense a whole lot for Cam Newton. So I agree 110 percent that uh, McDaniels is you do my you run my things like this is my offense well, look you at figure it how out. many like scheme touch guys did they try to bring in here under McDaniels that yeah. just never worked out yeah. like you'd see those patterns and stuff yeah and he uh it's what's happening with the Raiders and I think that they drafted Mac Jones uh in part because they figured they knew Josh McDaniels was going to be his offensive coordinator maybe they thought it was going to be a a longer runway than it ended up being. Yeah. Uh, but they thought Josh McDaniels was going to be the offensive coordinator. And in that draft, he was the best fit for the McDaniels offense. And that's why they, they drafted him in the first round. So I agree wholeheartedly that that's a great way of putting the differences. I feel um, between McDaniels and O'Brien, because I will uh, add this. I don't think that the pay, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to say or categorize and say that the Patriots are running the same offense they were running with Josh McDaniels. I think there's a lot of pretty significant schematic differences between how O'Brien approaches the offense and how McDaniels approached the offense, both from a, a formation grouping standpoint, obviously not having a fullback and not having 12, 21 personnel right. and not using that uh, avenue. But also I would just say um, from the way that their passing game is, is designed, I think is significantly not, not say significantly maybe, but different. They have a lot of the same concepts. They have a lot of the same uh, ideas in terms of like, you know, option routes based off of leverage yeah. and like things like that. But like in terms of how they design their offenses, I, I don't think it's a fair uh, categorization to say that this is the same offense that they were running in 2021. No, it's definitely not. I mean, they're related. You know, yeah. it's they're they're closer to each other than they are to Patricia's they're, offense. They're cousins. Well, no, but I, I mean, like they're closer to each other than they are. Either one is to Patricia's offense. Yes, but this, but uh, they're not. Yeah, they're not the same thing either. They're cousins. Right. It's like, you know, like when you talk about like languages, right? And it's like, you know, like English and French and those yeah, are the whatever like, languages, you know, right? This is like if you were speaking, uh, you know, Italian. Yeah. But like sometimes like Northern Italian is different than Southern Italian. Like I don't uh, know. I even that... thought it was more different than that. I was going to say more. It's like, you know, like French, English, uh, Spanish. They all come from like the same. They all come yeah, from yeah. Latin, right? And then there's, um, I forget what it's called, like other languages and other yes, parts of the world like, that are. So just you like, think that that they're both romance languages, but, right? But that's yeah. the term I'm looking for. Whereas, yeah. like, yeah, so they're in that same family, but they're different languages. Yeah, that, I agree with that. And uh, but I I, th I hear that a lot, like that. Oh, it's the same offense. Like, no, it's really no. not. 
It's really not. And then maybe- it's this now. All right, I'll say this: if yeah. it's if we're going to compare it to something, and I don't think I'm breaking any news here, the comparison to Mac Jones' past is to Alabama, not to his rookie year. Yeah, because that was the other thing I was yeah. about to say was that you know McDaniel's doesn't run any of this college stuff. Like he doesn't run right, RPO. The RPO and, stuff. Yeah, he doesn't run any of that kind of stuff uh, as much. I should you know it's in his playbook, but he he doesn't really. Uh, he told me in 21 i remember asking him about it and he said he that we don't major in in rpo he was like mad at you for asking reviews well i mean it was ridiculous that they weren't running them i love the guy but like you had this quarter this rpo quarterback that lit it up on rpos in college and they just never called them for mac his rookie year yeah. it was it was ridiculous anyways uh i digress but i i agree with todd that uh that is a feather in O'Brien's cap that I think O'Brien will continue to build this offense around Mac Jones. And I think he already has like the fact that this offense didn't have a whole lot of deep shots in this game, I think was related to the offensive line, but I also think it's related to Mac Jones. I I think that they know that they're going to time up their deep shots, uh, but they're not necessarily going to be like we saw last year in the first six weeks of the season uh, before Mac got hurt. I I should say first three weeks of the season before Mac got hurt. Uh, it, it was bombs away, right. and they're definitely not going to be that kind of offense this year. So I agree that McDaniel's are and, and O'Brien are different, and O'Brien, uh, I think, is – I don't know if it's necessarily that O'Brien's changing his offense for Mac, but his offense is already almost pre-built uh, for, to fit Mac and, and to fit what Mac's done in the past a little bit better. All right, uh, let's go to Sean in Vancouver. What's up, Sean? Hey, Evan. First off, uh, I'd like to say uh, Shana Tova. Uh, and, to Alex too, uh, both of us, right? Alex, oh, both of you, well, yes. both of you, Shanta. I didn't even know Alex. I didn't realize you were uh, Jewish as well, but uh, yeah, really, okay. So, best, <laughs> That's a compliment, uh, I think. No, I know it's a kind. I just most people, it's it's uh, anyway, whatever. Ha- Happy New Year to you too. Happy New Year, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so Evan, when I I called in on Tuesday, I didn't get a chance, or I wasn't able to respond when you um, you were wondering why I was encouraged. But today, yeah. you with your three points, you, you answered it. That's exactly why. And I don't have expectations that a lot of people do for this season. Like, we've, we've talked a lot during the offseason about team construction and how disappointing that was. So I don't expect the Patriots to make the playoffs. That's that's not where my, my brain is. But, Alex, like you were saying earlier, you know, it, it's encouraging without – uh, being um, a kind of a cons- consolation prize of, of, of not winning. You know, it, I, I'm just thinking like, okay, yeah, we've seen this before. It doesn't always work, but maybe it will this time, and that's where I am as a Patriots fan. Like, if I were a Canadian fan, I, I wouldn't even be there. Like, in terms of the NHL, I would just think, I'm going to wait for them to show me something because it's just too dismal to, to even bother with. But with the Patriots, it's I've always been a Patriots fan, even back in the 90s when, you know, 90 and 91, 92, when it was terrible. When it was actually it, bad. It, it, it's, it's just what I do. So <laughs> um, I have to be encouraged. And, and these, these are the signs. And last year, it was uh, just a, a total um, mess. And, and, I, and like what you said with, with BLB, it's, it looks like, okay, there is some structure. We can make some headway and, and things can move forward. So that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, that, that, that's great. I, on Tuesday, Alex, just to give you context, thanks for the call, Sean. I, I, people were just calling in and saying, I still have hope. And I was like, can we just add, like add some context to your hope? Like just saying that you have blind hope to me, it means nothing. Well, that's what being a, that's what being I, a fan I, is, I, Evan. I mean, we're ultimately rooting for laundry, but no, I, I think what the caller just said is exactly my point. Do you know yeah. what a Rorschach test is? Uh, no. So a Rorschach test. He it's, does. Yeah. Green does. 
Yeah, you know. Um, you know, all right, it's an ink blot test. Ink blot test. Okay. Just, yeah, so just it's like a psychology thing. So they ha- they they have like you have like six or eight pieces of yeah. paper that they just drop ink on and they show them to you without any context and you say what you see. It's like looking at clouds. Oh, yeah. And the idea is supposedly based off what people see in the ink, you kind of learn about who they are as a person. You can learn Got about it. their personality. This game to me is a Rorschach test. What you saw in it depends on and tells me about what kind of fan you are. So you're basically saying I'm a I hate fun, which is we yeah, need, no, we need, it, it, we but like exactly. <laughs> or the other one just to flex my C and AP psych senior uh, oh, high yeah. school. Yeah, good. You, you know what Schrodinger's cat is? <laughs> no. Schrodinger's cat saying? is this thought experiment that basically like there's a cat in a box with like a little <laughs> like with, like just basically the idea that if there's a cat in a box with poison. You don't know if the cat is alive or dead until you open the box. And the like philosophical thing behind that is so until you open the box, yeah. the cat is both simultaneously alive and dead, if that makes sense. Both things are true. Right. Both things are true. So this game in some ways Schrodinger's game, because we don't know. We don't have the box open. Is this because it does both look like I love this. This is psych one on one right now. That's as much again, I gotta see in the class. That's as far as I'm gonna go. She's but get degrees, baby. That's absolutely they do. Yes. Um, somebody in the chat said one psych course in college. Try one psych course in high school. Um, <laughs> this game, it is both simultaneously the first step under Bill O'Brien. Yes. And in that bubbles an encouraging first step. It is also the continuation of the post-Tom Brady era in the last four years. And yeah. until we take the lid off the box, play more football games, I think both interpretations for now are correct. And... If you want to call that a cop-out, call it a cop-out. It probably is a little bit, but, like, I, I can't – you know how I am. I'm going to sit here and tell you what I believe. I if, if you make a valid argument, even if I disagree with it, if you back it up, I'm going to agree with you. Okay. I think you could make either argument yes. in a way that I would agree. We, talk, we were arguing this the other night. I said, yes, you're not wrong. They haven't proven they can win that game, and I am going to need to see them do it. But at the same time – a team with a first-year OC, with a young quarterback doing what they did against that defense, well, it certainly wasn't enough for week one to say, this is the floor you have, this is what you're building on. In theory, in theory, yes. week one is your worst performance. So, But this is, I guess this is where I come from, from with it, is that I knew this was their floor going into the year, so I didn't learn anything new. I knew... Okay, but you're I almost knew... acting like this is closer to the ceiling than the floor. I suppose, like, I guess... And that's like, the where way I think I just people are it, confused. I think the way I look at it, and, and this is, you know, kind of where I'm coming from with all of it, is that I think this is a floor football team. I think this football team is designed and, and built to have the coaching and the operation and the program and all of this stuff put a good floor okay. of eight or nine wins and then they hope that you get a you get a good bounce here, you get a bounce there, you play a backup quarterback here, you play a backup quarterback there, and then all of a sudden you're ten, eleven wins, right? Like you know Right. You're so, so I, I think twenty twenty one. Given the opponent like I, I think a lot of people expect them to get stopped because the Eagles are See, playing I, at such a high that's level. That's the other thing is I didn't. Okay. So coming into this game I picked uh, Eagles 27, Patriots 21. I think the, the Eagles, it was 25-20. It the was, Eagles were top two team, even if you want to go beyond the, the reason, semantics of that. The Eagles were top four team in the NFL yes, last year. So, but, 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 you have to put this in context. 
the Eagles did not play a soul in the preseason. And because the Patriots played so much. But but I'm saying that all the the trends of the Patriots being at home yeah. on Tom Brady's return against a reigning uh, Super Bowl loser that did not play anybody in the preseason told you that the Eagles were probably not going to be firing at all cylinders to, to go, come out of here and, and blow the I'm Patriots saying, when out. When teams used to come in here and it was close, even though the Patriots won, we would say, oh, that's a scrappy team. That team might be building something. Patriots are just on the other side of that now. That's all that is. Okay. I think being five points worse than the defending NFC champion does carry some weight with a lot of people. Whether yes. you think that's fair or not kind of gets to my point of the game is whatever you I, want it to I, be. But my my only point of, may, of of all this, and then we're getting bogged down in the, uh, classically in, in an argument that we're not going to— Well, I think this is what gonna... people want to hear after you lost your mind on Tuesday. <laughs> Apparently, I didn't did even you, hear yeah, it. I was going to say, did you even listen to the show? No, but I had not even on Twitter. I had friends texting me asking if you were okay. Yeah, because it was. So it, I it can was, only imagine it was spectacular. It was spectacular. I'm proud of it. So I think this is, this is what people want to hear against Bill Belichick. Uh, here's the thing: the my whole thing, I think, coming into this game was I thought that the Eagles would be a little bit rusty. Yeah, I thought that the Patriots would keep this close because of all the things I just laid out. So, just being competitive, I expected them to okay, be but, competitive. All right, being five points worse than the Eagles is, you know, how many points better are the Eagles than the Dolphins? But they're not five points worse than the Eagles team that took the field in the Super Bowl in February. They're five points worse than an Eagles team that essentially treated this game as a preseason Okay, game. but they're going to grow. It's not like they're not going to have opportunities to improve either. I get it. I'm just saying that the reason why I came into the game thinking that it was going to be a one-score game to begin with was because of all of the trends with the Eagles. Right. And so I didn't expect— But the Patriots don't get trends is, is no, kind of my point. because my point is is that I don't think— I think a lot of people, like you kind of said a few minutes ago, a lot of people thought the Patriots are going to get blown out in this game. Yeah. I never felt that way. Even when even when we got the injury report and Mike Onwenu and Cole Strange weren't playing and Devontae Parker was ruled out. I was more I was a little bit concerned at that point, but I still didn't think the Eagles would have the execution offensively to run away with it because of how little those guys did in August. And that's just, you know, the, the I think Reese put it in his Sunday notes uh, coming into the well, I, I think what we've unlocked here is not that you're being too pessimistic. You may have been being too optimistic. Maybe. Maybe. I think that's the real problem here. This a combination, thing, we've, we've, we've unlocked this. It was a, it was a combination of, of, of my expectations coming into the game or maybe yeah. a little bit higher than other people because I thought the Patriots would compete in the game to begin with. I think the reason why is I, I said the trends, but I also should mention I think the Patriots are going to compete in a lot of games because they have that floor. Their coaching is good. Their coaching is good. And I want to talk about the defense who coached their butts off on that side of the ball against the Eagles. Their coaching is good. They have good coaching. So they're going to be a floor team because of that. They're not going to stink because their coaching is really, really sound on both sides of the football. So I thought coming in, along with the fact that I thought the Patriots are going to hang in there against most teams this year, that the Patriots would be close in this game against Philadelphia, and that's exactly what happened. And as the game was ending live, we saw, talked about this on Tuesday, yeah. so Maureen can back me up. Deuce and Paul were saying they're going to win the game. Patriots. Yeah. They're going to drive in. They're going to win the game. And I kept on saying, no, they're not. Just 
And just wait. Look, I was I was with you on that. I was sitting next to Mike Cadillac, and yeah. he, af, right after the Jabril Pepper song, he goes, "Do you think they're going to win?" And I'm like, "They can win, but they haven't won this game in like four years." Yeah, right. and it's a, so that was that was the beginning of my turn. Was I had to write the same story that I've been writing for for four years. So that's my point. Is where I wonder if you're overcorrecting a bit, and because because I like I, I told you I told you I wrote three this separate is like a therapy session now. Like what's wrong? Really, with I I wrote three separate post game columns because. The one thing about covering a week one game, and there's a lot, like covering week one is very different than covering any other game. Just to pull back the curtain a little bit because you have so many preconceived notions going in. And like the example I always give is is in 2020. Remember when Mike Onwenu came out, started playing right tackle, hadn't played right tackle at all in camp even. Yeah. And he was amazing at it. And that's like, you never have to adjust to seeing something like you do in week one. Every, it's all unexpected. You're on your toes. Sometimes you go into a game, you have an idea of kind of what you're going to talk about post-game, and it's like, well, you know, I, I know I'm going to focus on this one thing, and if it goes this way, I'll do this. If it goes that way, I'll do that, whatever. Week one's the one time you can't really do that. The one thing you do not expect covering a week one game, Evan, is yeah. to have to worry that you're going to be repeating yourself. And that was my thing after the game. I was like, because how many times last year did I have to write, and you and everybody, that stupid column that was like, it was. It's been the story of the year. Here we go again. Yeah. And I'm running out of synonyms yeah. for for late game failure, or whatever. And I'm sitting here as like it's week one, and yeah. I'm having deja vu. Like this shouldn't be a thing. And I think that's where some of the issue in breaking down this game comes in is because you shouldn't be repetitive week one, and yet here we are. This game might have as well have been played as week 19 of the 2022 season. It would have well, fit if in. They're playing in week 19, it, that's going to be great. It looked a little week night. You get what I'm saying? Like I know. It looked different. The O'Brien and Patricia stuff, it looked different. But the game flow, the game story, it was like, yeah, I've written this before. Right. And that was kind of jarring because, because you don't expect to do that in week one. And what I keep coming back to, and I'm going to keep – I don't care if I sound like a broken record. It looked better. It looked sharper. The play designs were nicer. It looked prettier. It looked better. But the talent level is the same on offense. The talent yeah. level is the same. So when it came I don't down... Know. I, all right. I would push back on that. It's not the same. It's I the don't same. know that it's good enough, but it's not the, it, it's the same. They have DeMario Douglas now. Okay. He, they, but the, they have Ezekiel Elliott. I know is DeMario the, Douglas better than Jacoby Myers? Because jo- Juju wasn't on the field. So I can't... You can't okay. Give me, well, I mean, I'm more so talking about like... You know they're not throwing Nelson Aguilar out there. Okay, they're not throwing Nikhil Harry out there. Okay, I, I, yeah, their their receivers are better than they were two years All right, ago. But maybe it's a wash ago. in some of the other. They didn't have their offensive line. Right. Maybe it's a wash in some of the other directions. The talent level is in the same ballpark. You can t- tell me that this guy's a little bit better than that guy, and that guy's a little bit better than this guy. But at the end of the day, the talent's in the same ballpark. And when it was fourth and three, when it was fourth in the game, they're just there's there's nobody to. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't happen. They don't, but it's, again, that's, it goes back to my thing of like, I really didn't want to be repetitive covering this game. How many times in the spring and in the winter and going back to last year, the stupid Tuesday meeting thing that we had to explain right. and the coverage dictating wide receiver, it's like. It, Fourth and three was the Tuesday meeting. It picked, right. It picked, when's the last time, how often ever do we joke over the summer? or when we're covering OTAs, or, or even during the draft, like, oh, we're talking about this now and watch. We're going to get to week one. We're going to throw it all out, right? How many times do we kind of say that when we're talking yeah. about the team? Do you ever remember, and we've only been doing this for six years, but I think that's a decent sample size. You remember the last time, week one, it was the, the takes from training camp to the game 
were so seamless. I think last year we knew the offense was a disaster. We didn't know it was that bad. I think we did. Okay, but it wasn't. Maybe we didn't. We were still. I, I'll speak for myself. I, I was still rose-colored glasses a little bit last year, so maybe I didn't see it as. But I think as, there was that it was going to be that bad. But I think that we should have seen that. But it was there was also stuff. It was like they'd added Parker, and it was like okay, they've done that, and Ramondre, and like I think he had a bigger but, role but than we, we expected. The, we knew this. This the system and the coaching was. Terrible. But this was like I. I mean, like the game could not have happened and the talking points would be exactly the same if we were just carrying on another week from camp nothing changed and that's yeah. weird for week one usually wow. week one changes things okay i'll give you that all right let's go back to the phones mason's in connecticut what's up mason how are you guys doing good hey all right so i gotta get this out quick i actually have to leave in a second but uh evan i know that you're not a Sean booty guy and i get it i understand i agree with you that he didn't look great on sunday okay he made some mistakes Obviously, he had the two passes. He didn't get his feet down. More importantly, I think on the second one, last play of the game, I think he ran a lazy route. I think if he runs a stem hard there and he sells vertical, I don't think Joby breaks on it fast enough to, to push him out of bounds. However, Good for a guy starting in his first NFL game that was kind of playing out of position, uh, okay, I think there were times where he attacked leverage well. I think he looked like he was thinking out there a lot of times. Um, I think... He showed explosiveness off the line of scrimmage a few times, which was a question mark for him coming into this season. I think specifically on one of the touchdowns of Kendrick Bourne, he was running a, a curl on the right side of the formation, um, and he looked explosive off the, off the line of scrimmage. I think he ran the stem hard. He had a, a good snap down, um, a good trigger step, came out of it in three steps. I think there were some things to, to um, feel good about in this game for Kayshawn Booty, um, and I think he could be a guy. And uh, listen, before I go, I just want to let you guys know it's not too late to get on the Kayshawn Booty bandwagon, okay? I want to personally invite you guys to the Kayshawn Booty fan club. We call ourselves the Booty Clap Bandit. The door is open. It's the winner's circle, guys. All right? Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good call, Mason. Good call. Good a, lot call. Of, a lot of really good points about Kayshawn Booty. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the last route. Could have ran it faster. Could have ran it better. Yeah. I'm sure he feels the same way. I'm not breaking any news to him. Uh, what he said about um, him playing out of position. Agree, a hundred and ten percent. This is something we talked about. They didn't have a second true X. Yeah, and uh, I wrote this in after further review that I actually don't hold anything against Kayshawn Booty on Sunday uh, for that exact reason. Even though he, at the beginning of the show you said he was bad, I didn't say he was bad. I just said like you can't really give Kayshawn Booty like a, a uh, passing grade. Uh, for that's that fair. Game. I, no, it's fair. You gotta I just like. I mean, it, the film was the film. Like you know, I, I I agree with the caller that it wasn't hopeless, but I just felt like I wrote it in after further review that. I hold nothing against Kayshawn Booty because to me, we've talked about this a lot with him even before they drafted him. He's a Z slot. Like he's yeah. an inside player that had to be forced to play on the outside because Devontae Parker's hurt, Juju is whatever, and Tycon Thornton's on IR. So they right. had no other X receiver besides Kayshawn Booty. They obviously weren't going to play Pop Douglas at the X. Uh, so it made all the sense in the world that it was Booty. We all thought it would be Booty coming into the game, and it was. And I agree with the caller 110% that that's not on him, that he doesn't know how to toe-tap the sideline when he's probably done it like six times in his life in a yeah. game. So I don't blame him at all for it. I didn't necessarily see the explosiveness. Maybe I have to go back and, and watch some of his routes that uh, the caller talked about. And I think that some of the route running was a little bit sloppy. Uh, so that's where I, I come from with booty. So but let me ask you I, this. Did I don't you, mind What do you think booty. of his route running in the second half specifically? 
I thought there was one route in particular where he, he tried to run an out and up. Uh, and it, I thought that maybe he had a chance to get open on it because yeah. he was single covered and he just didn't really sell it all that well and just kind of rolled into the defender and it was kind of pretty ugly. Uh, that was late in the game. I actually thought looking back on it and I'm sure it was a locked route. So I don't think he had like the okay. option to like if he had just hit like a three step slant, I think it would have been more effective than what he ended up doing. OK, I'm just saying because I the first half a lot of guys were slipping around with the rain so it's i kind of when i looked at the route running stuff like i did this with douglas too i was just yeah. i really only looked at the second half yeah so i i felt like uh some of his routes were were not crisp and, and not really he doesn't to me he doesn't have a ton of suddenness in his in his break or at the top of the route unless he's running he is i can i'm trying to be more positive he is a great slant route runner yeah he runs great slants but when he gets down the field, eight, 12 yard breaks, there's just not a whole lot of, uh, of sell or, or wiggle to those types of routes. But if you're asking him to run a slant, like we saw it in green Bay, yeah. he, he runs great slants. Uh, so maybe that's something to build off of. And I, I think it's comfortability too. Like you can tell that he's so comfortable running a three or five step slant that he, it just looks explosive when he does it because he's, he runs that route. Like it's the back of his hand. I I I wasn't like overly like oh my god take him off the field with Kayshawn right. Booty, um, but I just I feel like there's I don't know I don't necessarily know if I see the twitch or the explosiveness to be a real dynamic receiver in the league. Can he be like a fourth or fifth receiver uh, for his rookie contract? Absolutely, I, I think that we're we're at that point. And in the sixth round, fine. Yeah, it's not like they took him top fifty. All right, Jeff is in Maine. What's up, Jeff? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey. So uh, I got a couple things. One, Alex, I got a college football player for you. Okay. Uh, Tristan Keenan, UMaine, uh, kind of like a, a true freshman. I don't. I doubt. I mean, from knowing Maine's football team historically, I doubt he's an NFL talent. But he's kind of like a faster Rex Burkhead. He's fun to watch. Okay. Um, and so uh, the thing for the pats and i know you guys wanted to transition to defense against personnel like miami and i know that this show has always been a proponent of play Marte mapu at the second level and i have too um he, he played well at safety the first game i thought but i i think with this game and i'm curious what you guys think uh it makes more sense to me to keep him at the second level because i think if your linebackers are, and obviously their pass game is incredible, but I think if your linebackers are Tavai and uh, Bentley, Raheem Mostert and Devin Ashane are just going to absolutely run away from them. Uh, and I think that would be a problem. And so I think that, you know, let the true secondary players uh, handle the receivers and, you know, move him to the second level to try to stop those running backs from absolutely eating you alive. Thanks guys. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a, an interesting point. Thanks Jeff. And I did want to transition uh, here to the dolphins for the last half hour of the show and, and, and preview the dolphins a little bit. This is a, this is the conundrum for the Patriots with the dolphins and the Patriots defense. In my opinion, you have to put a ton of help on Tyreek Hill. So if you're going to help a ton to Tyreek Hill, and I, I I say help because I I don't love calling it a double team. Like I don't think it's like necessarily okay. a double team, 
But at the very, very least, the post safety has to be dedicated to number 10, right? Yeah. Like you, you, the post safety has to have eyes on number 10 at all times. That's just the bottom line because it's not fair to Jonathan Jones to leave him out there on an island against Hill all the time. So here's the, the conundrum, right, for the Patriots in this game. And I'm curious about your take on this because we had a lot of people, Alex, that called into the show last week. And I know a lot of people on, tw- on my Twitter, I'm sure your Twitter feed as well, that were not confident in leaving Christian Gonzalez one-on-one with A.J. Brown in Sunday's game. Yeah. And they did for the most part. And he held up yeah. pretty well. So different type of receiver with Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And that's the question. Are you confident in Gonzalez, I would think, or maybe it's Marcus Jones if you want the speed-on-speed matchup, but either one, taking Waddle, it's never truly on an island, but without the real resource, right? Yeah. Or are you emptying the box and if, Mostert was a DMP yesterday. I don't know if he's going to play in this game. Uh, Shane's a, a fast running back, like the caller said, explosive guy, ran like a 4.38 or something like that, really a uh, speed guy. Are You either empty the box and let, whatever they get to the backs of the backfield, the run game, all that kind of stuff, you live with, or you live with being one-on-one on Waddle. I let him run the ball. Me too. I, I let him beat you running the ball. And look, I maybe I'm I'm being too optimistic here. And Evan, I know you think Sunday's performance should go down as one of the worst in Patriots history. But I liked what I saw. I, de- I deserve that. I liked what I saw from the defensive line. And yeah, I'm not saying you're going to shut them down without additional players in the box against the run. But is their offensive line that great? No, I don't especially think so. not if Tamar- Teron Armstead's not out there. Right. So give me, you know. Keon White, uh, Christian Barmore, really good game. Probably better run game than pass game. Christian Barmore had a sneaky good game. It wasn't a game you like. He, his, it was a classic Christian Barmore game because people always complain that he doesn't have enough stats, but yeah. he's always like the the Judon sack early is a he, perfect example. He's always muddy in the pocket. He's right that. there. He yeah. created that even though he didn't get stat. Give me Christian Barmore. Give me Keon White. Give me uh, uh, Dietrich Wise with a good game minus the penalties, which were big. It doesn't, yeah. but right. Juwan Bentley, give me those guys up front, those four. I think they do enough. Yeah. If you're going to give them the run and basically put those four guys sort of on an island against the run and put yeah. the resources in the secondary, I, again, you're not going to shut them down. It's not like they're going to run for like three yards a carry, but I think that keeps it very manageable. Yeah, so they're going to they're gonna play a lot of zone in this game, I guarantee it. Right. They're going to play a lot of soft zone, and they're going to yeah. try to keep the top on the defense. Yeah. Cover two quarters. Like, they'll mix that in, cover three. They're going to play a ton of zone. Uh, when they go to man, or basically man, uh, there's two coverages that I think that, that exist that I think would be good in this matchup. One yeah. is what they used last year, which is one cross. Uh, it's one robber, but the robber is looking for the crosser from the passing straight. And when he picks up the crosser, the man coverage defender on the receiver drops off and becomes the new robber. He replaces him in the middle of the field in the coverage. So that takes away things like a crosser with a dig from the outside, because now that defender that falls off is going to fall off into the dig window. So it can take away both things. So they did that a lot because this Miami team, just like when they played Kansas city uh, with Tyree kill, they know that they're going to run crossing routes. It's either going to be Hill or Waddle, but somebody's running a crosser. I guarantee it. 
so they're going to – they could do that. They could play one cross, and they could cut off the crossing route and then have the post safety over the top to help to Tyreek. Uh, the other thing that they could do is play a Saban coverage, which is called cover seven. Cover seven is too high safety, and each safety is bracketing a different guy. So they can actually double team both players. Right. The problem with cover seven is that you'll give up 200 yards on the ground if you play. It's what Saban runs against, like Kiffin and yeah, and, and those Saban guys. Saban loves yeah. it. He runs it a lot more in college because of obvious differences. Well, no, he runs game. it against the air raid teams. Yeah, and they. So basically, you will have a a cone bracket, is what they call yeah. it, an inside out bracket on both Waddle and Hill. You can call that on like third and long because you know they're not going to run it. But if you call that on first down, then they're going to run for 200 yards. Does it matter if they run for 200 yards? I'm not necessarily sold it matters. It so it as long as the game's close, it doesn't matter. If you let right. them, if they get a multi-score lead, you, of course, right. But no, I if the ball's not in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle's hands, and, and the other you can't get beat on the RPOs. That's the other thing. Yeah. And these coverages you're describing go to that. Yeah. If the ball's not in those guys' hands, let them let them run the ball up and down the field. The other yeah. thing I've noticed about Tua. This is I'm debuting this take here, so I don't know. Feel free to push back. Yeah. Um, how do I want to put this? Uh, <laughs> do you remember? Uh, I don't know when you stopped playing 2K, but um, it's a long time. They put a thing in where like players had like different badges. So it was like not yeah, yeah, overalls. Yeah. You, okay. Yeah. Do you remember the microwave badge? Yeah. So it was like certain players. If you kept shooting with them, right. they'd get better. But if you only took a shot with them every once in a while, they'd actually play worse. Yeah. Two is kind of a microwave passer. I like that. A little bit. I like, like this. When he, how many, pa- take. how many passes did he throw last week? I don't know the exact know, number. It was 100. a, it was a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, I want to actually find the exact number. And I yeah. think that's part of the reason. Yeah. Threw 45 passes last yeah. week. I think that's part of the reason he played so well is because yeah. he can get in that rhythm where it's drop back, pass, drop back, pass, drop yeah. back, pass. He if, was cooking last week. If you're forcing them to run the ball, not just call runs, but also hand the ball off on those RPOs. He's not a guy that throws great when he's cold. If if it's the fifth, sixth, seventh play of a drive and he's throwing a pass for the first time. A, this is a very good take. I don't have any numbers to back this up, unfortunately. It's just something I've but, noticed. But, but th- this is th- You've noticed that. For, have you, so you've noticed that from him, too. I, it, it Anecdotally, it sounds great. Also, I'm sorry. They're showing Brady on this TV right now. Oh, yeah. And my favorite part of this entire thing is just watch Stacy the whole time. Just panicking that the second half is about to start <laughs> and they need to get off Brady off the field. And CBS is just like refusing to get him off the field. I will get Where is Stacy. Uh, he, he was just on the screen okay. and I, I, we love, we both love Stacy. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious to watch okay. him just like be like, uh, we gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah. We gotta go. We got, uh, we'll, we'll get to Brady in a second. I do want to end the show yeah. with, with our takes on, on the, on the Brady stuff. Uh, it's a really anecdotally. I feel like you're right. So you I don't know, even, like, I don't have any numbers either. But, I don't know what the numbers would be. To back that up, because him, uh, him throwing a lot of passes doesn't, like, yeah. it could be it was intermittent early and now they're behind, so they have no choice but to throw. But, like, I feel like he he needs to get in a rhythm. And when he gets in a rhythm, and it makes sense with all those kind of short crossing patterns, yeah. it's all very repeatable. He throws that, so they want him, and this is the challenge, and what, what made that game so good against uh, the Chargers was that he wants to throw the in-breakers to the middle of the field. Right. He's a lot like Mac Jones in that sense. Uh, crossing routes, dig routes, slant routes, like that's Tua. That's that's his bread and butter. What made this game unique against the Chargers, and I, I know that 
I've kind of gushed about Tua today, but he was really freaking good in this game. Uh, what made him really good in this game was the fact that he was able to come off the crossers and off the slants and hit the second and third read in the progression just as well as he normally hits the slants, right? Like he, he made a throw. I know Ben Solak like broke it down on Twitter yeah. uh, where they take away the in cut and he comes off the in cut and hits a wheel to Tyree kill on the second read. Well, the other thing about it is he's, I, I, this has been my longstanding take on Tua. You know this. He essentially had to relearn how to throw a football because yeah, of the hip it, injury well, at Alabama. So, I feel like he's kind of gotten there. I feel like he threw the ball with as much zip on it as I've ever seen him throw. Well, that's what Sunday. I'm saying. I, like he, People don't realize he had to rebuild his mechanics from the ground up, yeah. like in the NFL. That is a massive task. Yeah, he was really good in this game. And I feel like he's kind of gotten there. So he, that's the thing with Tua. But the reason why I, I love your take so much is because – that's the type of thing that Bill will notice. Right. If Bill notices two th- Bill's great at noticing one, like where's your heat map? Like where's like the hot areas of the field that you love throwing to? Like a like a batter in baseball, right? Like yeah. where do I pitch to you? So with Tua, he's gonna take away the middle of the field. We can guarantee that. Right. He's gonna take away the middle of the field and he's gonna take away Tyree Kill. And he's gonna he's gonna be He's going to force Tua to play left-handed from that perspective. and I, Or I should say right-handed, I guess. Yeah. He's going to force Tua to play right-handed in that respect. He's not going to let him throw the slants. He's not going to let him throw the crosses. He's not going to let him throw to number 10. Like, that's going to be the game plan. So, that take that you just had is, like, something that Bill would notice, too, in the sense that, well, if we if we don't let him throw the ball early – and right. we like it, make him hand it off, or we take. I would like. I almost wonder if they take the ball now. You know what I mean? Like, if we keep him cold, I, it's not even that. It's like because it, it's not so much like going to the bench and all. That. I guess maybe it is. I don't know. I just I feel like if and, and he's probably find ways to keep him cold. He's he probably not alone in this, but it's more like if they go run, run. Yeah. Now it's third and eight. Yeah. I feel like that versus like if he threw the first two. Yeah, yeah. Right, that kind of thing. Right, and. and I, I wonder you like, just you basically don't it's it, it's their offense I know people are gonna hate this take because it's all complex and you know cutting edge whatever yeah. it's a little repetitive from the quarterback position yeah. like you said it's just it's slant in cut slant in cut yeah. and it's three step back foot throw yeah. three step back mechanically mentally there's a lot going on but for the quarterback in that offense it's very mechanically repetitive I think when you so maybe this is more about the offense than it is Tua yeah as I kind of talk through this take here, I think that if you let him get into that rhythm, he's going to start feeling it, and it just yeah. sort of becomes well, second it'd be nature. Interesting to see what they do because I think that there's like a bunch of different ways you could obviously go about yeah. it. But like if the Patriots empty the box and ask them to, to right. run the ball, that'd be one sign. If the Patriots come after him early, I think yeah. that's another sign of like let's rattle him, like, yeah. let's get him off his game early by pressuring him. I, that's another sign that that maybe they feel the same way, and I also wonder about like McDaniel's is uh, McDaniel's McDaniel's uh, script. Like, does he yeah. does he throw early? Like, they're a pretty aggressive throwing team. They generally throw early. Yeah. They, so they, you know those Mike stats McDaniel's like, a math guy. He doesn't want to run. Yeah. You know those stats that are like you know th- uh, overexpected. Like how often they throw the ball in downs and distances overexpected. <laughs> he rolls his eyes. Uh, Stupid. They're stat. they're always like near the top of the league in that. Okay. So. So is like Buffalo, Kansas City, like teams. Well, and especially like if they don't have Mostert, even more reason yeah. for them to to 
keep it in here. All right, let's get back to the calls. It's uh, Ford in Georgia. What's up, Ford? Hey, Alex and Evan. How are you guys doing? How's it going? Good. I love the podcast. Uh, first time caller calling in. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Evan, you know what? Keep on bringing those truth bombs, man. You just say what you see because uh, that's what I like. So don't let the bees get you down. Will do. My, uh, here's the take. So your podcast is fabulous. That's, uh, you know, the micro. This is kind of a macro take. We've had great continuity on defense the few past few years, and we've had pretty good continuity on offense disregarding the offensive coordinator. Lots of the players have been together. What do you guys think about this team being kind of like a basketball player where they just need to see a shot go in to get over the hump? Yeah. I... If they could just win one game like they played last Sunday, just win one of those games leveling up. Look, that's yeah. a really good take. That was Th- good. Thanks for the call, Ford. Appreciate you listening as well. Yeah, it's like you know the floodgates opening, yeah. right? Like you hit one, and then all of a sudden you hit a million. I I get the. Point. That was yeah. literally. I mean, I'm I'm sitting up in the because I'm like formulating the stuff as this game goes on. That was going to be my take if they won. Was yeah. they finally saw one go in, and now let's like they've done it. They know they can do it. I I think that would have been massive, and I I think there is something to that. The problem is, is it by the time that happens, is it going to be too little, too late? Yeah. You know, if they win that first such game in week 10 right. and they're four and six right like nicole all right but is it gonna matter if they do it this week yeah i think that there's absolutely something to that i think that's the other part of yeah i'm glad you kind of put it that way because i think that's another part about my frustration overall with the team is their first month of the schedule now it just got easier because of what happened in new york right but their first month of the schedule is tough yeah it's super hard so i knew coming into this first month that if they were going to have a season, they were going to have to come out hot. Like they were going to have to come out and at least stay afloat and tread water in the first month of the year. Now they're already 0 and one and you just worry like, all right, maybe the jets game now obviously yeah. looks a lot easier and I'm not ready to just hand them a W against the jets. I'm not, but I think that that's a game they should be well, favored in now. Uh, but like one in three to me with like three, competitive games and i i said no moral victories but like three competitive games against miami the the cowboys and the eagles obviously already yeah. happened then i i suppose that that's like at least staying that's treading water but really like to tread truly tread water you gotta go two and two you gotta win yes two of them. so i know people hate this stat they this is like the ultimate negative so i'm gonna give the ultimate negative take now because wow anytime an nfl team Loses its first game, you hear that 0 and 2 thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's fans roll their eyes. So last year, the Bengals actually made the playoffs after going 0 and 2. Right. They were the first team to do it since 2018. Yikes. The other, there were five other teams that went 0 and 2. Their, their average wins for the season was just over six. If you throw in the Colts and Texans, who started 0 1 and 1, that win average drops below six games. So that. I, I feel like that takes off and framed wrong. Yeah. it It's not to say if you start 0-2, you can't make the playoffs. You can, but, like, the Bengals weren't an 0-2 team. Yeah. We knew who they were. It's not if you start 0-2, you can't make the playoffs. It's an 0-2 start is indicative yeah. of a team that's not good enough. And that's where the concern comes in. Yeah. It's not—it doesn't mean it's it's locked in. 
But we're talking about, again, a team like Cincinnati last year who had been in the Super Bowl. We knew who they were. I don't think too many people were applying that 0-2 thing to them because we knew they could dig out of it. Yeah. If this team starts 0-2, it might just be a sign that that's the team they are. Yeah. Yeah, especially against good teams, right? Yeah. Like, because they're not playing cu- cupcakes, except maybe Zach Wilson and the Jets. A, a couple more things, and then uh, we have a couple, one more call, and I do want right. to wrap with the Brady yeah. stuff. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the defense uh, on Sunday and just our, kind of spin it forward. We talked a lot about how they match up against Miami, which was, yeah. was good and all that. But uh, uh, Christian Gonzalez in his debut, I'm just going to kind of go rapid fire through yeah. a couple guys. Uh, the plan and all that kind of stuff. I, I wrote about that, and after further review uh, in our film review uh, you know, weekly piece, if you want to uh, go and look at how exactly they did it from like a schematics perspective. But I, I thought really what this game made me most excited about defensively was they had unlike offense, they actually have individual players that I think are moving the needle for them defensively. Yeah. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, I know he gave up uh, seven catches in this game to A.J. Brown, but uh, they they were all short of the shorter variety. He didn't give up a single deep ball. He didn't give up a single right. run-after-catch play. Like, none of that kind of and stuff. And he came up and tackled after. I thought he played fantastic in this game. I did. For what it was, for, like, if he's playing that way in three years, ugh. Yeah. For his first career game. Yeah. With I think the plan was probably don't get beat deep. If they yeah. make if they throw it underneath, just step up, make that and against a receiver like AJ Brown, you take that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Christian Gonzalez was very good in this game. I was excited about what I saw. I don't think he was their best rookie though. Okay. I, I was going to get to maybe who I think you think yeah, was I think their best so. Were you going in order of the draft? Yes. But, yeah, then, yeah. Wait, 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 Christian Gonzalez, yeah. uh, just, and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, what I, I liked so much about his game was the tackling. It, yeah. It, that was a he concern. got a sack. Yeah, that was a concern coming in was his physicality. I, I He didn't really want to go there after the game, but I think that you could tell that he, want, he, he knows that that was the knock was that he wasn't a physical guy and he couldn't tackle very well that Georgia game right like yeah all that kind of stuff uh that was the knock and uh this game uh AJ Brown is uh one of the best yak receivers in the league and, and physically I mean specimen yeah yeah he's not a guy that's gonna run around he's gonna run through yeah you. and and he was able to tackle him I think that maybe other than the the fourth down pass breakup which was great uh he made a tackle on AJ Brown coming across the field on third down uh, where AJ Brown had a, like a, a step on him coming across and he was able to close and make the tackle well short of the sticks yeah that play there I was like that's a play that if you asked a scout coming into the draft and you said AJ Brown's going to have a step on Christian Gonzalez coming across the field on like third and nine at like third at like six yards of depth. Is it going to be a first down? Every scout would say yes. Yeah. Every scout. And he made the tackle. And, and I think that that's a really good sign uh, of a play that he probably uh, was told he can't make by a lot of the, the scouts and people like us and that he did make in the game. And that was the most encouraging thing to me. Uh, from that game, I knew he could cover the deep ball. I knew he would stay at a decent, uh, you know, tightness, closeness to the receivers, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, but being able to come up and make that tackle was was huge. Uh, so you thought the the best rookie in this game was Keon White? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was awesome. He yeah. was. You look at what he's doing to Lane Johnson. I know he is bull rushing Lane Johnson. Yeah, I, it's he looks like he's been in the league five years. Yeah, he there's no rookie element and. He was a huge part of their rush plan against Jalen Hurts. He executed his plan at a high level. Uh, you know, he's he was a problem. He was a problem in the Eagles' backfield. Four pressures and 23 snaps, which is an insane rate. Outstanding. Yeah. I'm 
way too excited for what he's going to yeah. be cut. And that's in his first game. He's going to get better. Yeah. I'm way too excited for what he, he can be. I, I they, they have a real guy here. They, they need to play him as much as possible. And I, I don't mean to like say like, oh, let's throw the rookie into 70 snaps a game. Like if they don't feel like he's ready, they don't feel like he's ready. Then you play him in the situational but role like, and you do what you he do. He looks but, ready. Yeah, I, I think what what stands out about him, other look than right the, here as we're watching this, yeah, and they have the yeah, game on it here. Here is right in Jalen Hurts' so, face. So he won four times uh, yeah. in the pass rush. Two of them were with power, uh, just speed to power bull rush. Uh, one on each tackle. Uh, then he won uh, with an inside out move, which I've seen him use in in practice, and it's filthy. Uh, just you know, a judon. He it's a judon move. He put, okay. fakes outside, comes back. Real inside. quick pause. What do you think of that move that Miles Garrett pulled, where he does like the basketball kind yeah, of cross up thing? I, I know he's 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 a he, Miles Garrett's an alien. Like yeah. Miles My, Garrett does not move like other people do. Uh, so yeah, he won with that. Then he won with speed around the corner, just speed rip around the corner. Uh, he 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 made it look easy. Like he he, was, he really he, did. He made it look easy, and I, not only did I I really uh, th- not only is he just relentless, but uh, the recovery talent to like plant his foot in the ground and then go chase Jalen Hurts after Jalen Hurts uh, you know leaves the pocket, that's rare. Like I, look, I know you just said nobody moves like Miles Garrett, and I'm not comparing yeah. him to Miles Garrett, but like this isn't. He doesn't move like you expect a 6'5", 290-pound no. guy to move. It, it's the change of direction for, that really stands out. Like The play that he bull rushes uh, Mylotta, yeah, and then he's able to kind of recover and change directions to then get Hurts a pin to the sideline. Uh, that's something that their defensive so, line has been missing. Like Judon and Uche and Barmore can get downhill better than like a lot of guys, yeah. but – they then they lose contain right like they don't recover right. as quickly as Keanu so Locke let me does. ask you this you talk about getting him on the field more and how do you do that yeah can he make some of this work as an interior rusher yeah I, I would hope so because that would be the next step I, I I think that with his hand in the dirt he he crosses face so quickly yeah. that he's going to be really ho- a, a problem well, for guards doesn't even need to be hand in the dirt either. you could stand him up right yeah we, we know they do that my point yeah. being like do you think they can get to the point, and I know that they like to put more guys back in yeah. these obvious passing situations, but where you have a pass rush group of Judon and Uche on the edge and Barmore and Keon White in the middle, do you think that's something they can functionally build? Because if they do, yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, I do wonder if, like, you know, you've used, like, the Trey Flowers, like, type of role comparison. I do wonder at one point, do they put Keon White at the nose in that five rush package, you know, five Oh rush package yeah. that they use um, in that way that they had like four guys standing up around Trey flowers. And it was just Trey flowers with his hand in the dirt. Well, but couldn't you do that with Barmore? You could. And then have white be one of the guys that's standing up. You could. Yeah. Yeah. Any of that would be great. I, I think all of that would be, effective. I just, if you can find a guy to get those, find a way to get those four guys on the field in a pass rush yeah. situation. I mean, you, you can really do something. It's one of the better fronts in the league. Yeah. I've been saying that all along about the Patriots' defensive front. They have one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. I, I don't think, you know, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, like those teams might have them beat. Uh, but other than that, I'd probably take their front over everybody yeah. else. Uh, it's top five, in my opinion. All right, so we talked about Keon Why We talked about Marty Mapu earlier in the show. Uh, I, I do want to um, give Jawan Bentley his flowers. Really, really good Jawan Bentley game. I He's... He's just a good football player. He's just so good uh, at taking on blocks and condensing space in the running game. Uh, I I really feel like uh, his development 
as a player and how fast he plays now compared to how how he early on in his career like we, we he could always hit he could always come downhill but sometimes he looked like his feet were in cement right like he looked like his feet were stuck he's such a more explosive like just flexible player than he than he used to be uh, I really give him a lot of credit he's he's gotten so much better uh, over the course of his career I played a great game in this one uh is there anybody else uh, Jabril Peppers Jabril Pepper yeah uh, yeah he's going to be a player this year um Miles Bryant I thought played Sneaky well good game it, which again it's that thing I've been talking about don't at, well so it didn't start well because they had a manning up Quez Watkins which he can't do <laughs> well he it was zone but yeah okay but like let him play a deeper zone, come up, diagnose, yeah, make the I, play. I don't disagree, that's his but game. Like he's I mean, got, that, that tackle on AJ Brown he, was awesome. He, he should be able to play the flat. Like it, it was okay. It was RPO. But, but you he, get yeah. what you get. What I'm saying, yeah. like just let him let him diagnose rather than chase. When you let him do that, he actually does make plays. All right, let's take the call from Patty, who's who's had some good emails this week. Patty, some some interesting emails. How you doing, Patty? What's going on, guys? Not much. Um, so Evan, listen, I wasn't really coming after you. The other day when I emailed in, my my whole point was like the last few years. I know I know the end result was they didn't get it done, and against good teams they haven't gotten it done. But I think just comparing the last year, what I saw them do, like I think if this was last year and they were down sixteen to nothing, I would have just I would have been pulling my hair out that they're going to end up getting beat forty five to nothing or forty five to ten in this game. Um, but, you know, I, I did see some improvement. I, I thought even though, like, Mac got the ball out quick, the fact that they started those two rookies and those two rookies also went up against those monsters on the defensive line, they, they played – I think everybody played a pretty good game as far as, like, the offensive line. Okay, Mac, I got to push back on that a little bit, Patty. Like, I, they're rookies in their first career starts. So I'm not going to kill them, but it, it, keep going. Keep going. I don't want to – and Mac, you're right. Mac has to play 60 minutes. Has to play a 60 minute game. Can't play 30 minutes. He can't play 15 minutes and expect to win. Um, but you know that that's done and over. Week one's done. I don't have a good feeling about this game. When I looked at the injury report, I'm just like, come on, man. Like the, we're already having offensive line woes. Now our starting left tackle, our starting center. And the rookie that they had, what is what was still playing right guard? He's they're not going to play. I, I could see, I could see a scenario, honestly, where they just there's too many turnovers and kind of like how they began the game last week, where it's just they turn the ball over a couple times. Miami gets a few quick scores and it's over because they can't block. They and and. I don't think Miami's defense is great by any stretch of the imagination. I think Christian Wilkins is a beast, but forget about it. You're, if, if you can't block them, you're not going to friggin' win. You're not going to move the ball. I think the Dolphins are winning this game, and I, I hate to say it because they're my NFL Yankees. I hate them. They're they're my least favorite sports team, even more so than the Yankees, even more so than the Lakers. That's all I got. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for the call. I didn't mean. I don't want to trash the rookies because it's their first career start. Uh, they're they're thrown into a, a tough situation. Um, but to categorize Mafia and So as playing well in that game is is not really telling the truth. They played better than expectations. It doesn't mean they played well. That's kind of how I'd put it. I actually I I texted you the number yesterday. What was it? They ran for I think it was one point three yards per carry between yeah. guards. Like yeah. that's 
the, not they gave get up, it done. The two of them gave up 12 pressures com- the, between the two of them. Yeah. 12. 12 pressures, 1.3 yards per carry. Look, they didn't get Mac Jones killed, and I think that's yeah. kind of what the expectation was. Fair enough. So they played better than ex- – and that's kind of the story of a lot of things with this team. It's better than expectations, but that doesn't yeah. mean it was good. Okay, so uh, good good way to end it on the offensive line um, and then the Brady stuff. Uh, offensive line, what are we looking at on Sunday for this offensive line? Assuming that the injuries hold, I I understand – All wherever, four? Uh, all five like like what are so, we talking so we'll, about well we can talk okay. about but i i understand where patty's coming from where everybody's coming from that they look at the injuries of the offensive line and it gets it it's concerning and i i picked the dolphins in the game uh but overall in terms of like the competitiveness yeah. of the game and keeping it close i actually am not overly concerned with the offensive line because i really was impressed by how o'brien and mac was it were able to manage it on sunday and I don't think that this Dolphins front is as good as the one they just went up against. So I, I think that's a really good way to put it because what scares me about this offensive line, they can, as we were watching the game, and Kendrick Bourne takes off. He's so good. That's they didn't play him last year. Um, he's, I, he, he won't let that go, and I appreciate it. I, KB's my guy. I know. Like, I've said this before. I will find a spot for Kendrick Bourne on my team any day. Guy Like on and off the okay, field, just what he brings. Okay. Line. Thank you. It's not so much that I'm worried about Mac Jones being under pressure because he handled pressure well last week. And like you just said, the big thing, they'll scheme around it. Yeah. It's that fourth and three that you hated, right? Yeah. Why did that fourth and three happen? Because on third and three, they tried to, I don't know if it was technically a halfback dive, but yeah. like they went between the guards with the Zeke Elliott yeah. and he got stonewalled. Yeah. That is my biggest concern with the offensive line. When you need a yard to three yards, can the offensive line allow you to get that conventionally? Or are you going to be weird? Or are you going to have to do something yeah, weird? I mean, That's like, what scares me more than anything else right they, now with they, the offensive they, line. I, the part of the reason why they dropped back 58 times is because it was 16 to nothing oh, yeah. out no. of the gate. But they also couldn't run the ball. So they, Which, ha- they by had the to. way, in a way, credit to O'Brien because last year they would not have made that adjustment. Yeah, and I, I think you know the the thing that I like so much about O'Brien's offense is that you know his quick game and his screen game right. really operates as an extension of the well, run. Even game. Not, the the other thing you said before, you you point out he's not afraid if something's working to keep going back to it. Yeah. At the same time, and this is probably kind of the same take from a different angle. Yeah. If something's not working, even if it's something he likes. He'll understand it's not working and move on. Yeah. And they moved on from the run game last week. You can't do that every week. At a certain point, you're going to have a third and one where you just need a pound at home. Yeah, and the yeah. offensive line needs to allow needs to be but, allow you to do that. So for the group, yeah, let's go over the configurations. So I, I, Trent Brown and City So aren't playing. Like, there's just no way a week after yeah. a concussion. Yeah, I think you move Calvin Anderson to left tackle. I think you do first too, and foremost. But ooh, what are the other options? Andrew Stuber? No, no, no. I think Andrew Stuber's the only other tackle, right? No, they have a Darian Lowe and Tyron. Oh, all right. Well, no. you're moving Calvin Anderson to left tackle. I thought Calvin Anderson initially on my initial watch, yeah. I thought Calvin Anderson was fine. I, I watched the offensive line alone uh, again, yeah. and he he also had a rough game. Yeah, keep going. I, I, I think some of it, too, like guys are they'll like brought down by like they all kind of we talk about guys lot, elevating each yeah, other. Yeah, a lot of it too with him is it's, it's, in all fairness is like he, he didn't have training camp and he's out there for eight yeah. plays on the on week one and the conditioning. You know, a lot of his his bad bad reps yeah. came in the second half, which, which makes I'm, sense. Yeah, yeah. So all right, so you're gonna have Callan Anderson at left tackle. Yep. Let's 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 do one where we're outside of Andrews. None of the guys on the injury report play. So okay, you're you're still missing Cole Strange yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Mike Winu again. Yeah. I think you're going Calvin Anderson. Yep. Antonio Maffi. Yep. David Andrews. Yep. It's probably James Ferentz at right guard as yeah. a practice squad elevation over Jake Andrews, right? I would think so. 
and then Andrew Vidarian Low. Vidarian Low at right tackle. Unless he's yeah. not ready, in which case they probably recall Andrew Stuber. No, I think Vidarian Low will be ready. I think there's a chance you get two offensive line recalls for this game anyway. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, honestly, it's probably a one for one. If either of those guards return, whoever returns, Moffy's in the other spot. Yep. Right? Over Ference. Yep. I, I, Moffy was. No. Like, it, no? no? You didn't think so? Maybe it's just by comparison. Jalen Carter just took Well, it's Jalen Carter. But I it's Jalen Carter. But that's every week. This week it's Christian that's, Wilkins. All right, all right, all right. It's fair, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, well, then do you think there's a chance they try Ferentz and just be like, these rookies aren't ready. We're going no, with, I think with they'll the guy play we Moffie believe in. To, to give him the, the reps and okay. to give him the opportunity. I, the way that I look at Strange and Onwenu uh, is that I think that if that was a – Post Thanksgiving game, I, I, I'm not ready to say playoffs because okay. let's phrase it. You know, post Thanksgiving game, I think that they, they, week 17 against the Bills last year, winning they, in, they play. Okay, they play. I I thought it was very interesting when Bill was asked about them on Wednesday. He said, you know, are they going to play? He said they'll play eventually. Yeah, That's a really weird way I, to phrase. Because that. I think uh, one. Bill with Bill, it's always gamesmanship, right? He doesn't want to tell the Dolphins anything. But yeah, also, but usually he just says they're out there practicing. You know, the injury report. I think will be the out. other way to look at it is is that that's a situation where it's bigger than a week two game against Miami, and there's yeah. decisions to make uh, about the long term longevity of the player. Uh, but I think that my gut, and this is not any inside information, my gut is is that one of Strange or Onwenu will be out there. I feel like Sunday. Strange is probably closer than Onwenu. Yeah, too. I think if they're close and they can, it's 95% healthy, uh, that one of those guys will play. Yeah. Because they have to at this point. Like, they're desperate for bodies, let alone just the talent level uh, being different. So I think one of those guys are, is going to play on Sunday. So I, I agree with your line. If nobody else plays, I, I think that you're probably, in my mind, looking at Calvin Anderson, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Antonio Mafia, Vidarian Lowe from left to right. I think that yeah. on when it will, they'll continue to hold on when it out, but I, I think Strange will, will play on Sunday. Uh, just gut, not, no inside info on that, but I just I think he will. And um, really quickly, uh, also on the, on the offensive line, I gave David Andrews the gold star at the beginning of the show, but yeah. Trent Brown was also really good in that game on Sunday too, which makes the concussion even more of a bummer. Uh, he lost late on that Josh Sweat sack, um, but other than that, he was he was pretty good in that game. Like old Trent Brown, you know, one on one pass pro on the backside, and, and and played really well, held up really well. So hopefully yeah. that has a one week concussion and and he's back long term, and it's it's nothing major to worry about. All right, really quickly, uh, we got three minutes before we got to wrap right. on the Brady stuff. Uh, what, what what just what was your take? Closure, closure, closure. It really it, it really was the thing when he left. I remember it was like you look at Peyton Manning and. When's the last time Peyton Manning did anything remotely related to the Indianapolis Colts? And it's yeah. like, that sucks because he's such a huge part of that franchise. Brady's even bigger here. It's like, I don't want to lose him forever. I get he had to go somewhere else to play, but it's like, is he just going to be a buck now? And yeah. when he said, you know, Patriot for life, and to that see him in the you. old jersey yeah. and actually do the rundown and all that, and he's going to come back again and just... It, it was. It's like, all right, he's coming back. Like, he's still here. He's still a part of this. I get we have to share him with Tampa. That's fine. I don't, I don't know if we do. Well, that would be even better. No, but, like, he, he did. He won a title there. He There's I, an extent to that. I don't, I don't know if in Brady's 
So I said at the end of, of the show last so week. So we know his time in Tampa was purely transactional. Yeah, and I think that's how he views it. But but there's all like when they post like you always see now like the graphic of the seven Super Bowls yeah, and there's yeah. like the well, Bucks yeah, logo I mean, on obviously. it. So that's what I mean. Like there'll always be that Tampa part of it, but like he's he's still he's Patriot for life. I I is it was it it really like I texted like two or three friends. Uh, like all of them after that and I was like that was closure and they were all like that's exactly what it is yeah it was closure on like Robert Kraft said we never properly got to say goodbye yeah and I think to to do that and to hear him say what he said it felt good yeah I I said that I was I was gonna be body language doctor on on Brady and he passed with flying colors body language and like it wasn't there was no cell job he no. wasn't wearing TV 12 stuff. It didn't no. feel like Hollywood. Even like, this is a stupid little observation that I had. His hair was like, it looked like he just played a game. Like, he looked <laughs> up on the, no, like, the, him. I know, but like, him standing on, No, because like him standing on the podium, like, it gave me a little deja vu to like seeing him, pictures of him on the podium after Super, Super Bowls. Bowl, yeah. It wasn't like, because I was thinking like, is he going to be up there in a suit and he's going to have the $5,000 yeah. haircut yeah, yeah. and, you know, yeah. he's going to talk about, oh, a TV 12. No, he went up there in a jersey just looking like some guy yeah. and talked about how much he loved it here. Yeah. That was, I didn't think he would do that. No. I thought we would get corporate Tom. I, there was not one ounce of corporate Tom involved no. in that. It was awesome. He, uh, he, he let himself let, let the, let the, the curtain down a little bit. Yeah, he did. He, he did. And I, I said, I, you know, I was going to see like, was this, like you said, corporate Tom, right. Was this, I got to do this for Mr. Kraft because, you know, 20 years of paying me, like I kind of have to do this. Like, all right, I'll go. Uh, No, this wasn't anything like that. And I, I genuinely think that based off of his reaction and how he carried himself throughout the entire day, uh, that he identifies as a Patriot. I think he appreciates the Bucks years and he appreciates the Bucks for uh, letting him continue his career in the NFL post Patriots. Uh, but I don't think that in his mind, uh, he's has it really anything uh, to do with the Bucks, if that makes sense. You know, like I don't think that he really views himself as a buck. right. And uh, well, I mean, like I think he'd go back if they had like a thing. But all right, Patriots Bucks week one, they're both playing at the same time. He gets invited to both. He's coming back. He's coming here. I would think so. Well, that was the thing. I was like, is that what he's going to do? So I mean, you know that. When he goes into the the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame game will be Patriots Bucks. Of course, oh, obviously, yeah, right. yeah, and, and that'll be fun. Oh, I, I, that, uh, you know, I don't like usually travel with the team, yeah. but like I'm, I've never been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Neither I really want to go. I can't think of I when I was growing up. You say I'll go when Drew Bledsoe gets in. I'm starting to think that's not going to happen. So I'll go when Tom <laughs> you Brady think, gets you think in. Drew Bledsoe. I'm saying when I was like ten, I used to say that. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. So it, it was great. I thought the, I. Uh, him coming out on the lighthouse first and like that sort of being the big cool. reveal was cool. Uh, the rundown was cool. Like I, you know, that's not usually my thing. You know, I hate fun. Uh, that, I thought what would he like unzipping the jacket? Like, like then it was the old Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that wasn't just an old the, Jersey. That I, was a game worn Jersey. Everything that really, the, the big, the thing that got me, got me yeah. was just like seeing him in Patriots gear again. Yeah. Like that was like, like you said, like he could have worn a TB 12 stuff. He right. could have like, but he was wearing the Elvis. He was in Patriots gear. Uh, he was a Patriot for but the it, day. It, but it wasn't, th- but th- it, it's even deeper than that. It wasn't like they went and got a Jersey from the pro shop and it was yeah. like the new Jersey. No, that, and I'll tell you, you look at the way the Jersey's cut. Yeah. That was a game worn Jersey. Well, it was great. All of it was great. And I'm glad it happened. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, a six twelve twenty four. Alex and I, I'm sure, will 
will be there. Oh yeah, and uh, you you might have to bring the tissues. You might have to. I got you know, I got a little emotional you, on Sunday. You might have I to did get, bring the tissues. It's gonna be a great time. Uh, that ticket is gonna be a hot ticket though. That's gonna be a tough one to get. So don't 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 c- come slide in the DMs asking for tickets. That right? and Zach Bryan back to back like two weeks. Oh my God, yeah, everybody's gonna be at Zach Bryan. <laughs> that's for sure. All right. Anyways, uh, that does it here. That was a full two hours. No commercials. No breaks. No nothing. Just two hours straight of Patriots talk. We put Morel to sleep. I love it. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> next week uh, for uh, our, another show here on Patriots Catch 22. Uh, watch us on YouTube. Uh, review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.